This is Alex Martin, and you're listening to the Moto X Pod Show. Hey, this is Chase Sexton, and you're listening to the Moto X Pod Show. Episode of the Moto X Pod Show. This week it's episode 158. Uh, I think it's going to be a pretty exciting show, but I want to thank all of our sponsors, including our title sponsor, Torque One Racing, bringing you high quality, economical performance parts. Check out torqueoneracing.com for grips, pegs, handlebars, shifters, brake pedals, and more. Johnny Torque One Racing has a passion for the racing industry, just like myself, not so much TJ. So follow them on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Also, Shock Socks, uh, the number one, ten, it's the original and number one 10-second 10, 10 removal fork seal protector. And go check out T- DJ TJ's own YouTube channel, A Moto Heads Garage. He did a uh, test this last weekend at Athens MX on the Shock Socks to show you how well they work. Shock Socks, the website, posted it up too. Yep, so. yep. And also want to thank All Sport Dynamics, Blood Lubricants, Fly Racing, Power Band Racing, Acherbys, X-Brand Goggles, Williams Moto Works, Works Wheels and Mods, Extreme Colors. Um, so, yeah, we got another really cool giveaway. Last month, we gave away a free set of Fly Racing Youth Kinetic Mesh gear. And we had so many entries that um, JT said, let's do it again. So we're going to give another set of that Youth Kinetic Mesh away. Same concept, guys. Just send me the emails. Um, I probably kept the emails, but send them again. Just, you know, send if you already sent one, send the same one again. For, it's fine. Uh, we'll do another drawing, and if you didn't get in on that first one, send it in. That's all you got to do is tell me. If you got a kid, I think they go down to size 22, if I'm not mistaken, is what JT said. Check it out, flyracing.com, though. Get a set of free gear for your kid. Uh, this week on the Moto X Pod show, pretty cool lineup. First of all, we got Dirt Bike Mike. Now, if you guys remember from the Pulp Show, when Stank Dog was on a couple months ago, he mentioned Dirt Bike Mike helping out with the Kicker Arena Cross Series. Uh, Steve didn't know who Dirt Bike Mike was. I, I met him a few years ago at Oak Hill. Really cool dude. So he's going to come on, talk about what he's done over the years with the Arena Cross. Then we're going to have Cooper Webb come on, talk about what he's been doing, the championship that, you know, the series that was so far, maybe what will be, the outdoors, kind of what he's com- getting ready for. And uh, Superbike champion, AMA Superbike champion Ben Spees is coming on. This is something I've been working on for a while, and Ben and I have kind of been misconnecting here and there, but he'll be on tonight, so I'm really looking forward to that. A little different, you know, obviously form of moto racing, but he does ride motocross. He's got a training facility. Uh, he's got track at his house. So, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. In studio, DJ TJ. What's up, dude? What's up, man? I am really excited about Ben Spees. Yeah. I've actually got to hang out with him quite a few times. He has absolutely no clue who I am. Right. But um, a friend of mine is a friend of his. And um, I got to see him ride, and I took you some pictures of him way back in the day that were the the dude's legit on a dirt bike, like yeah, throwing it upside down before that was actually oh, yeah. super cool. So when I actually met him at Johnsonville, he was out with the A practice guys and just 
ripping, doing the. I was like, man, this is be I just whatever. And I remember when I took those photos, this was how, I'm kind of saying how far back it was. He was like, you can't post my name with that. You oh, can't yeah, tell because yeah. he would get in trouble yeah. for that. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, we're going to get Cooksey on the line here also for our intro in just a moment. Um, you and I rode at Athens uh, this last weekend, which we rode the corner track that they have there. And so Saturday night when we were talking about going riding and get at you text me, Athens was open. Right. I didn't pay that much attention that the the flyer or whatever said corner track. Oh. So I was kind of like when I woke up Sunday morning and looked again to make sure they were still open because of the weather. Mm-hmm. I saw a corner track. I was like, man, I don't want to drive an hour and a half to ride a corner track. And it was awesome. Dude, it was so much fun. Yeah. So much fun. Like, I'm me showing current Thurman the fast way around that thing. Oh, is that what happened? Yeah, it was so oh. cool. Like I I mean, you didn't you weren't there when Curran came up and was like, dude, you are so freaking fast. I was over there quite a few times whenever he was there and he was talking to you and I don't remember any of no, that. You only up. walked over there the one time before I went out and you're like, hey, he doesn't want to talk to you. You oh, didn't, you didn't oh. talk to him afterwards. I got you. Yeah, I you missed you. that. I got you. And no, then we he... missed yesterday, Ben LeMay was out there riding. Yeah, I saw a video that they posted with Ben LeMay and um, Caden Dunny. Yeah, the kid's ben, awesome. Ben and I were talking a little bit this morning. And I was like, dude, if you'd come out Sunday, you wouldn't even unloaded. You would have seen me going so fast. You would have just like left. You couldn't. Yeah, I would have liked to hear his he response the, to the that. laughing emoji. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, that's why I haven't posted the GoPro footage I have because I watched it and I was like, yeah, that's not going up. That's horrible. I posted mine and I'm, I'm slow. Yeah, I actually need to edit it. But anyway, um, so everything else going good. We got to ride in a little bit. It's been fun. Everything still is what it is with Corona. Yeah. I started actually working on my track. I started rebuilding my track up a little bit, making it a little more. After going to that corner track, mm-hmm. I made mine a little more wide open, kind of the same thing that um, Clint did to his corner track. Yeah. And I think that makes it a lot more fun in the sand. Because mine could get that deep, but mm-hmm. I don't rip it as deep as what that was. And, um, yeah, that was that was fun. So it kind of inspired me to make some changes. Yeah, the only thing that I was really disappointed with was myself, really, just realizing, like, being in, not in great shape, obviously, and then the arm, my right arm, just locking up. Like you, you had to stop because you, you were having some weakness in the hand, or like just less grip strength. Grip strength, yeah. And, and then when's the last time you've ever seen me complain about right that stuff? Never. Well, I, I was struggling and couldn't hold on. I, I tried to stay out there and ride through it. It just there was a point where I was like, okay, I am not holding on really. I'm barely like the the throttle's only twisting because my body's moving around. <laughs> so Yeah, I, I went guess. through that section in the middle that's kind of whooped out. Yeah, the rollers. And I went through there and I swapped a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And I don't I literally I'm glad that I was purposely grabbing my knees to try to work on that cuz I I ate it. And I mean it's not super fast and it's sand, it may not have hurt, but it scared me enough that sure. I pulled off right then and said, "I'm done." Yeah. Yep. It was a lot of fun. Hopefully you guys that are listening are getting some chances to go ride somewhere. Um, we're going to get to our show, start, get our first guest on here in just a moment. But Hey TJ, I just remembered I did go get a compression gauge today. Awesome. So after the show, don't bail right away. I want you to look at it. Oh yeah, for sure. But anyway, bike problems. Right, so let's get Cooksey on. All right. I got Mr. Chris Cooksey on the line and he's brought to you by fly racing since 1998 fly racing has been focused on developing the best gear possible. And in 2019, they became the title sponsor of Supercross and continue to be brought to you by Fly Racing, Mr. Chris Cooksey from Cooksey Media. What's up, dude? What up? How are we doing? Doing good, man. Just uh, kind of excited to be talking a little moto for a little bit. And um, 
TJ and I got a ride in this weekend. We just talked about that. How about you? You got any chance to throw your leg over the bike? Dude, it's been killing me. I had neck surgery in January, so I haven't oh, yeah. been able to run. I forgot and about that. Everyone, yeah. Everyone's been riding, and I'm supposed to be off for six months. And I'm thinking three might be fine. I'm like kind of debating it, just kind of doing some rehab around the house, rolling around on make sure I'm okay. And I think I may give it a go here real soon. Okay. I, I don't know, man. I don't want to do anything stupid, but at the same time, dude, it is painful. Um, you know, just like everybody, I'm so bored right now. Yeah, and right. Everyone's yeah. riding and yeah. like the track open, and I'm just like, ah. Yeah, so. we're we're lucky enough. Well, we have one public track that's been open, but then we have a lot of buddies with private tracks, and TJ's got a track at his house, so we typically have somewhere we could go ride. Yeah, and you know, and I, I, every track that puts they put stakes in, so don't get too close, and they ask everybody, you know, abide by you know social distancing and. And I'm cool with that, like, you know, but you're out there in the fresh air. I think it's healthy, and I, I think people need that. Yeah. Hey, Cooksey, your signal is going in and out a little bit. Do you Can you move around any? Yeah, yeah. How's that? Is that that's, better? Really, that's really good right there. So, all right, let's talk about this. I, I know everybody's sick of hearing about the corona stuff, and we've heard all the, the media stuff that Prater did last week. But, like, what are your thoughts? I know you've been writing about it. What are your thoughts for what's going to happen in the next three months? God, if you had a crystal ball, that would be... <laughs> well, I'll say this. At first, I was like, okay, this is ridiculous. It's media-created. It's a really bad loop. But now, seeing the death toll rise up over 75,000, that's a lot of people, um, and that's with quarantining. So, I mean, I, I can't even imagine what it would be if we didn't quarantine. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm genuinely worried about what this is going to do to the world. Like, are people want to care want to be in groups? Handshakes. Are they going to be a thing of the past? Are we going to wear masks all over? Like, what's it going to look like? I, I yeah. really don't know. I think it's a great opportunity for the series to, to take advantage of, you know, refocusing their model instead of selling tickets into selling the media package. I mean, I've been screaming about that forever. Like, what are you doing? Major League Baseball, football. The ticket sale thing's going to hurt them, but it's not going to kill them. They get their big money on TV contracts. So. Okay. Yeah, you know, and we don't really have. I mean, we haven't really focused on selling the TV package. The TV package is literally an infomercial to sell tickets. Yeah, and if we, I mean, now's the time. Either you do it now, or it's going to go away. True. Yeah. Well, hey, I, not to make light of anything, but you you mentioned that our shake handshake's going to go away. So it, I feel like every time I go to a race, if I decide to fist bump a rider, they decide to shake my hand. If I decide to shake their hand, they decide to fist bump me. It, it always goes wrong. So if we all decide from now on it's fist bump only, I'll never have that awkward moment again. So that at least I've gone full on fist bump every time. I don't sh- so that that. But anyway, TJ, you had something you were about to say. I, yeah, I, I was going to say this uh, yesterday because I'm a retard and I'm using this True. as as You're not a, supposed to use that word though. Uh, I well, I can say it by myself. Oh yeah, it's yeah, fair enough. There you go. So, anyways, as I'm um, trolling like Facebook Marketplace trying to find deals while people are needing money. And I um, bought something from a guy the other day. And we, as a southern as a southern guy, when you make a deal with somebody, you buy something, you shake hands on it. And I was like, "Yep, you take this much." He's like, "Yep." And we looked at each other, and we were just like, "Well, I guess we're not shaking hands." You know what I mean? So it was <laughs> yeah. it wasn't said, but it was just. And you could tell both of us because we're East Texas boys. We were both like, "Oh, that's weird." And then we made the deal and whatever. So yeah, yeah, yeah it's awkward. I had to go to. Uh, 
Harbor Freight today, and I went to the grocery store yesterday, and people just look at you weird. And I, man, I don't, I'm just not letting it bother me, I guess. I'm just like, whatever. I'm, be, I'm going about my business as normal, and people, other people are looking at you kind of weird. But how's business for you, Cooksey? I mean, I know um, some dealerships are, they're staying open. They're doing some, some are doing curbside, some are doing appointments. Uh, Fly Racing has this amazing uh, program going on right now that you can check out at, at Fly Racing USA on Instagram. But how's it going for you personally? Gosh, it's tough, man. It's it's really hard. Most of the dealerships that I that I go to are you know brick and mortar. Uh, they don't do a ton of online, mm-hmm. and people are people aren't walking in to look. They're going in to get what they need and they're leaving. And they're not, and then you know, and then everyone's kind of scared and they're standing away. And it's tough, man. Sales have dropped considerably. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's not good. I mean, there's a few things that doing. Some of the people have kept most of their staff. That whole SBA thing where people can keep their employees. And if they keep their employees, the government will subsidize them, which is which is amazing. And that's kind of kept a lot of my guys going. Other than that, they're kind of. I had a couple of dealers just shut down and throw everybody, and then they kind of backtracked it. So mm. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's not it's good not for good. guys like yourself. I I I gotta imagine you're stressing a little bit. Well, our our local dealership, I went by there today to pick up some parts, and our local dealership just basically won't let anybody in the door. Like, if you need to get parts or whatever, they go like, well, we'll call the parts guys, and they'll bring them out to you and that kind of stuff, but they won't let anybody actually walk in the door. And I I do my best to buy from the local businesses, but... I don't really trust a lot of the parts guys anywhere <laughs> because I've been a parts guy. For, yeah, I've been a parts guy for so many years. Like way back in the day, I know what I need. I can usually give them part numbers. I usually gra- I go behind the counter and grab the book myself and look the things up to make sure I get things right. So I, I mean, I hate saying it, but I'm like, okay, I'm going home and I'm going to just order the stuff online to make sure I Dude. get it right. And and I feel bad. Yeah, I've been using motorsport. But yeah, I've been using the pulp, you know, discount or whatever, and just going motorsport. Yeah, I mean, and it's a time too. It's it's this is one of those times in life where we're going to say, oh, remember how it was before nine eleven? Remember how it was before COVID? Yeah. And these dealerships that are that are old school that just been kind of trucking along, they're going to have to adapt. Um, and if they were struggling before, they they might not make it out the other end. But what that will, you know, it's just like like in a way, like I've been telling my dealerships, I said, listen, we've been through this, and I don't know that this is probably going to be worse. And I, I mean, I don't have a crystal ball, but. We have a little bit of a guideline of what's going to happen. Look at 08, and people still ride. People run their tires to the court. They run those chain and sprockets until they're just completely clapped out, but they still ride. But it's just, it's about focusing on those items, and the brick-and-mortar people have to have that stuff in stock because if they don't have it in stock, they'll never get TJ back. Like, if TJ goes to get a chain or sprocket or a spark plug and it's not there, we're not going back. Next time you won't even try it, let's just go online. And, it, you know, it's, it's crucial. And then... You know, like WPS is doing some offering some dropship programs to all the brick and mortar dealers. They need to take advantage of that and say if somebody like TJ comes by and they don't have it, hey man, you know what? We'll have it at your house in a day or two. Right. Well, and I deal with that. Our local shop, they do really good for me, but we have a lot of local people that don't like the shop, and because they're like, well, we can get it cheaper online, and I've, and they have a policy, and I guess it has to do when they're dealing with Western or whoever that they'll match the online prices. And I guess Western or Tucker or whoever will help them out with that. But he was, um, but they don't advertise it. And I'm like, y'all need to advertise. Hey, mm-hmm. we can match your online prices. Come to us. 
but it's like they don't want to, and it's. It, I it, it feel just like easier sometimes, and I feel like to them it's like, hey, we'll get, we'll just make our money off of these things that we add to the side by sides we sell. Yeah, and if you, you know, that kind of stuff. I don't know. It's just weird. I mean, here where I live, which is thirty minutes, forty five minutes from TJ, we've got a couple shops, but they really suck to be honest. They don't. They're not moto related at all. They're four wheelers, you know, and uh, I think Scott Foster is our WPS rep here. I know he is, but you know, there's just not a lot of motocross guys, so you can't really go in there and get anything. But I know that I can go on motorsport.com and I have an account. My bike's already stored in there. What bike I have, I just hit the button and it pulls it up, and it's I could do that while I'm you know laying in bed with in my boxers, and you know it's just <laughs> it's hard to it's hard when you know you're laying there and you go, oh, I need this part. And you, oh, I can wait till you know it might be like say Sunday night, like well I can wait till Tuesday to go to my shop, or I could just hit the button right now. So and have it delivered by yeah. But, I mean, at least, I mean, it's still money going into the industry, you know, and those guys are supporting shows like the wrap-up show and the Pulp MX show. So I feel like I'm still doing okay by by the industry. Well, the problem is, is our industry, when I say our industry, I'm talking about the moto yeah, itself, yeah. is such a small chunk of what those dealerships make their money on. Street bike guys, they want to go in there and see the chrome. They want to see the stuff they put on their bikes. Like, seriously, side-by-side guys, yeah, that's yeah. where their bread and butter is. So without us making an effort to go in and ask about things even if they don't have it you still go in you still ask you let the sales guys and the parts guys know that there's a desire for it they'll carry it but if we don't if we walk in there and be like they ain't got nothing and we stop going they're not going to carry it so Mm -hmm. we have to go a little bit out of our way to make sure that that chain like you said cooksy is there when we need it so yeah, and, and, and it's tough, too, for those guys, because I talked to a Yamaha Can-Am dealer, the owner. He said, you know what, man? If I could get rid of motorcycles, I would, and just do UTVs. It's all, they come in, they're older people, they pay, they buy expensive stuff. Motocross customers are just a pain in my ass. <laughs> I, <was> like, <laughs> I can see that. that yeah. You know, it, it, it sucks. It's this, you know, because I'm a moto guy, and I love it, but at the same time, you got to go with the businesses. And, and yeah. he rides himself. He's a moto guy, too, but, but he's like, the business on the business end, the side-by-side guys are just sometimes easier. So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see where it goes. But I agree. Hey, what do you guys think? When do you think we'll see a Supercross or outdoor event held? Do you think they're going to get that one in Florida? Uh, I doubt it, man. I'm not, you know, I started looking at actually applying for my credentials for that. And I was like, I don't even know if I'm going to bother. Cause I just, I don't see things getting better that quick. No. Hmm. Supercross, yeah, I, I, I think, think Supercross is. I think Supercross would be like Steve said in the fall afterwards. I think that's the best case. Yeah, a lot of that to me depends on. I don't know. I mean, it's hard enough to fill these stadiums with our with people now that they're kind of scared. True. I'm really worried about what that's going to look like. Are we going to have to sit every other seat? Or <laughs> how, I mean, how's that going to work? Yeah, they're only the to... outdoors. Outdoors, you can spread it out a little bit. Right. That, that I think we can get away with. But indoors, I'm really worried. Yeah, they're gonna have to put the cameras where they only you only see one side of the stadium. And everybody's in like one section, <laughs> yes. and and Ralph and Ricky be like another sold out crowd at uh, St. Louis 2020 round two. Uh, well, what's the can't show can't make it look like it's full because then everyone will freak out. Oh my gosh, they're gonna spread something. <laughs> That's true. And, yeah, you know, and then and part of me too wonders. Okay, so the flu has been killing people all the time, and, it, and it's pretty bad. It's somewhere between thirty and sixty thousand people a year. Um, man, why weren't we paying attention to that? You know, it, oh, yeah. maybe, and, you know, like I said, maybe it's just bringing awareness to not only COVID-19, but 
regular flu. Uh, so well, I don't know, man. It, like I said, I, it, this whole uncertainty is driving me crazy. And I gotta, yeah. Yeah. Well, did you listen to last week's main event when Vincent Blair came on with with Daniel? And he, he was listing all these numbers of deaths on other things that were higher than COVID, but it never really gets reported, or you just or we just don't care? Did yeah, you... I, I did, but then I looked up my own numbers, and COVID's way worse. Okay. I, I'm not sure. A week ago, the numbers weren't like that, but the numbers I looked at yesterday, on some places, they had it as high as a 10% death rate, and mm. then at low places, it was a, it was like a 3 or 4%, which is way higher than the flu and this other stuff. Yeah. Then you, then you have to consider the only people who are reporting tests are the the worst, the worst sick, you know, the, the people that are really struggling. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know what it's going to end up looking like, but it's far more severe than the flu. I know that. Yeah, so. it's 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 scary, and I don't know what's going to happen. And like I was talking to Amber, my fiance, you know, and just she's you know she's being more cautious than I am. And I was like, look, I don't really know who to believe because I simply do not trust the media or politicians on in either aspect, not, not the right, not the left. It's like, I just, I don't trust what I hear because they could tell you whatever they want. And it's, you know, it's gotten to a point where I just don't believe anybody. So it's like, I, I don't know what to do other than try to just keep living life and doing what I can. And, I really... was, and I did that for a couple of days last week. And then I had, I had a dealer almost kind of like reprimand me. Like, what are you doing, man? Mm-hmm. You're an idiot. But, you're, you're not that important to go around, and he's damn right that I'm not. And he's all, if you happen to catch this, and spread it for how many people? So maybe you're not at risk, maybe I'm not at risk, but what if that guy has a, and I'm like, you know what, you're probably right, so I better. And, and I think a lot of people are doing that. We're erring on the side of caution, because nobody wants to be the dick to spread it around. Sure, yeah. But at the same time, you know, and then I also, I wonder how much, how much damage are we doing to the economy? And, you know, you look at, there was, I, I believe I, the stat I found was 10,000 uh, suicides related to the 2008 recession. Oh, jeez. This is going to be pretty bad, too. Right. I mean, I, I you know, I, I don't know, man. It's just a lot of uncertainty that I don't want to get down on. But I also, man, I, I want to move forward, but it's just it's stuck in this holding pattern. And that's, like, the worst place to be. If I could go out and, like, you know, chuck sand or, you know, repair something... <laughs> I would do better, but just sitting around, it's just that your kind of mind goes nuts. I agree. So, so I was I went on looked online real quick to see like Loretta's schedules. I know every Monday they've been putting out updates on mxsports.com about stuff, and it really hasn't changed. They're still talking about at the end of next month, um, still running the the areas and and getting to the regionals. So they haven't made any more you know drastic changes to that. But something they had on there was they have financial. So basically this new bill, which is helping out small businesses and independent contractors, that the um, pro athletes kind of fall underneath that. Have you heard anything about that? They do, absolutely. Any independent contractors go in there and, and they can apply for that. And they should all be doing it right now. Um, yeah. So, yeah, the, it's the SBA loans. They can get that as what they call sole proprietors or whatever they are. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, right. they should. If they if they have it, every single supercross rider should go do it. So. Well, uh, we, we who knows what's going to come. Uh, you know, it's just it seems like it's just keeps dragging on, and it's probably going to get worse before it gets better. Unfortunately, but Cooksey, we got to wrap this thing up. We got uh, the dirt bike Mike coming up here in just a little a few minutes, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about some arena cross stuff with him. Hey, did you have elbows on yet, Vince Beef? Uh No, he's uh, he'll be at seven twenty hour time. 
Dude, he's a badass. I can't wait to hear it. So Sweet, man. Well, hey, Very I appreciate cool. you coming on. It's been a little while since I've had a chance to talk to you. And, but you got a lot going on over there at Cooksey Media. I hope everybody's checking it out. Nice. Thanks, man. I appreciate it, guys. All right, Cooksey. Take care, bud. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, see ya. All right, that's Chris Cooksey from WPS and Cooksey Media. Um, hey, a couple things. So, TJ, typically when we do this YouTube thing, we're kind of all over the place in between guests because we really don't schedule any content or whatever. I think we got a little thing that we're going to try to do after Dirt Bike Mike with Amber. Is that right? You got? Yep, I got it. So we'll have to text her. She won't come on video. Yeah, she doesn't want it. She's being like pooky and doesn't want to be on video. She doesn't even want her voice. Yeah. So she's just gonna she's gonna watch on YouTube. And I guess you've got some like I got some um, newlywed type questions yeah, or yeah, segments. We'll, we'll call or, it that. Yeah. And she's gonna answer through YouTube. But uh, if you guys are listening to the archives, you're not probably gonna hear that. I, I imagine we'll cut that part out. So yep. you guys should be watching on YouTube and checking it out. We'll try to do some extra stuff. Um, but let's take a commercial break. Well, no, we, we got a few more minutes. Um, trying to think what else. There's a couple of things. We've got the fly giveaway coming up. So we need to get people to deal with yeah. that. You know, I want to get your emails to get the fly connect mesh youth gear. So don't forget about that. Um, the Aaron Smith ride day for his, the, for the auction stuff for his kidneys failure, you know, to medical bills. That's going to be rescheduled. We'll talk about that. Um, yeah, there was something else I was going to bring. Oh, a Cherubis. So Talon Volan reached out to me. Yeah, Brian, Full- Brian Fullerton's on. Oh, is he? The live chat right now, too. Okay, Talon reached out to me and a Cher- at a Cherubis Motorsport, which is their, I think, their, their Italian-based Instagram page. It's their main Instagram page. They're going to have me interview on Instagram Live, on their Instagram Live, Talon and Max, Thursday morning, uh, I believe it's nine o'clock Pacific, so about eleven o'clock Central. All that's going to be on Motorsport or at a Cherubis Motorsport page. You'll find all those details. I'll post it once we get everything set in. But that's gonna be cool. I think it's gonna be about a forty-five minute to an hour interview with Talon Volan and Max Volan. Um, so yeah, check that out. Follow that, please. If you guys are around Thursday morning, watch it and let me know what's up. Uh, <laughs> Brian Fullerton just texted me and said, "Call me Effers." Yeah, I, saw, um, I was going to say that. I didn't yeah. want to inter- interrupt you. Right, yeah, I'll up. try to give you a call. We got uh, a guest coming up in just a couple minutes. Um, so maybe after Ben Spees, yeah, we'll call you. So that'll be probably, I'm looking at the times here, 645 is Cooper Webb. We're just going to keep Central. him hanging on, paying attention. Just ha- yeah, hang just tight. Hang on. We'll, we'll get you on, dude. We'll try to get Settle you Settle down, Beavis. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, all right, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and we will be back with Dirt Bike Mike. What's up, guys? This is the Seven Juice Trade out of Entercamp. I'm here to tell you about Aturbis USA. For decades, Aturbis has been the leader in motorcycle plastic and accessories like full plastic kits, frame guards, chain sliders, hand guards. In 2020, they are the proud sponsors of Red Bull, Factory KTM, Factory Kawasaki, TLD KTM, and Rocky Mountain KTM, as well as many top privateers such as myself. All you got to do is go to AturbiusA.com or call 1-800-659-1440 and y'all better tell them Motorhead Pajo sent you. Hey, Dad. Great race. Not sure how you could even see. Thanks, bud. 
Track conditions were pretty brutal, but thanks to my X-Brand goggles, I had hashtag clear vision all the way. X-Brand goggles has grown into the goggle choice of many of the top privateers, such as Ben LeMay, John Short, Alex Ray, Kyle Chisholm, as well as 2017 Works and Hare and Hound champion Gary Sutherland. Hey guys, this is Gary Sutherland, 2017 Works and Hare and Hound champion, and I trust X-Brand. My name is Ben LeMay, and I choose X-Brand goggles. Hi, I'm Amy Kiefer, and when I want to be best dressed, I wear X brand goggles. Hey guys, this is Kyle Chisholm. And for almost a decade in my professional racing career, I've chosen X brand as my goggles. Now, X brand goggles is joining the Moto X Pod Show for 2020 with their EKS, S, and Flat Out Series goggles. Go to EKSBrand.com or email DarksideMX3 at AOL.com for pricing. What's up, guys? This is Alex Motherfucking Ray. And if you don't use X-Brand, then f*** you. All right, next up on the line, brought to you by Cherbies. For decades, Cherbies has been the leader in moto plastic and accessories with products that fit perfectly, look amazing, and last. Cherbies has what you need. Visit acherbiesusa.com or call 1-800-659-1440 and always ask for Brian Fullerton. Let them know the Moto X-Pod show sent you. But tonight, from Cherbies, brought to you by Cherbies, the one and only Dirt Bike Mike. What's up, man? Oh, I'm pretty good here. How are you doing? We're doing great. Uh, you know, we're out here in East Texas, and, you know, you're somewhat of a, you know, a legend in the Arena Cross Series days. Um, my buddy Michael Gage just thinks you're one of the greatest humans on the planet, so I'm very excited to get you on the show. Well, that's reciprocal. I really like Michael Gage. I've known him for a long time. <laughs> well, Dirt Bike Mike, um, first of all, who gave you the, the nickname Dirt Bike Mike and why? Well, I think way back oh, around, oh, I guess it was in the late 70s, I lived in Memphis, and there were just a bunch of kids that hung around the, the Yamaha shop, and they just called me Dirt Bike. And okay. it just evolved from there. So where did your love uh, for dirt bike racing come? You know, when did you first descri- dis- discover motocross? Who was your favorite? Well, uh, I actually traded an old van for a DT250 Yamaha one time. I think it was a Yamaha, and it uh, might have been a Suzuki. I can't remember, but... Uh, <laughs> I traded for a little bike, and uh, somehow we got it going, and the thing threw me off and broke my arm, and it just oh, made geez. me mad. And I said, you know what? They're not going to let this this motocross stuff get the best of me. Okay, so you were all in just right at that point. You had to, you had to conquer the beast. I guess. I was in the, in, in, I was in the hospital with my arm in a cast and reading the motocross action. Oh, okay. Way back in the day. All right. That's awesome. I love it. Um, so – how did you get involved with the racing scene? At that point, you, you said you traded a van for a bike and you started reading motocross action. Once you got healed up, did you start searching out tracks? Did you start searching out other people that rode? Well, I, yeah, I had a, a, quite a few friends that I had known for a while that were racing, and they they were always trying to get me to go racing with them, but I had other activities going on at the time and just kind of ignored them. And <laughs> once I broke my arm, I started going to the tracks with a cast on my arm. Okay. And, I just got hooked as a spectator, and then I became a rider. How old were you at that time? Uh, let me think now, 24. Okay, so mid-20s, yeah, young man still. Back, I was 26. Okay, well still, yeah, you're still, yeah. you know, pre-30s, so yeah, still a lot of life to live. Um, so we all know that motocross becomes this huge family. I mean, you start going to the tracks, you start seeing the same guys, you become buddies, you talk about racing, you, you just eat and sleep racing. Um, you know, but for you growing at, at that age and getting into the sport, 
What was it about the sport that you loved so much? Was it just the competition? Was it the camaraderie? What what really drew you in once you got involved? I think those are, are really big parts of it. Uh, probably the uh, the major draw was knowing that I didn't have any skills at all. And <laughs> okay. I just wanted to challenge myself, yeah. I guess. Okay. I like that. That's a good answer. Well, so what how how good did you get? You know, you're you're a beginner at this point, but did you get to a point where you were, you know, did you ever get to the pro level? Did you uh, you know, whether local pro or expert or anything like that or how good did you oh, get? Oh yeah, I, I rode amateur for 2 years and then turned local expert. Okay. And then uh, a buddy of mine convinced me that we needed to go to the Florida Winter Series, but I needed a pro license to do that. So I got my pro license in uh, 1977 at age 29. Wow. That's a year before I was born. <laughs> right. And I'm old. I'm just saying. Just throwing that <laughs> out there, really, Mike. Just throwing that out there for you. Uh, this is my co-host. By the way, I, I didn't tell you my co-host, DJ. TJ, is in studio also. I'm sorry. That was TJ. All right. So, yeah, he's he's kind of an idiot. And so. I have grandkids, and that was a year before I was born. Just throwing that out there for you, Mike. I don't. Why are you? Why are you? Dude, this is funny. I love it. These old dudes like. And he's probably awesome. fast, he's probably still faster than you. Well, yeah, I, for sure. <laughs> well, I'm not that old yet. Right. Well, I feel old. TJ feels old, but that's just because I don't know. I don't know. We allow ourselves to, I guess. But yeah. Um, so growing through this thing, at some point you get involved in arena cross. How did that happen? Tell us that story. Well, we were living in uh, Fort Worth and both my wife and I worked at General Dynamics and <clears throat> our son was racing the uh, 85s at the time. And we had some friends that, uh, were working for Mike Kidd and they needed a scorekeeper. So my wife went to work for Mike Kidd in the arena cross as a scorekeeper, uh, I think around 89. Okay. And at that, and then, oh, go ahead. Keep and going. then um, I flagged for him a couple of times, and then we both got laid off and moved back up to Arkansas. And uh, she just kind of kept moving up the ladder, and I just kept going along and hanging out, and I kept moving up the ladder. And <laughs> one thing led to another, and she became the, the boss of Arena Cross under Mike Kidd and on through Pace and Feld and whatever, and Clear Channel, Live Nation, all of that. Yeah. And, uh, I ended up uh, helping a couple of riders, and the next thing I knew, I had a team, and I've had one ever since 2001. Well, I, first off, I'd like to say you are an amazing person. If you can deal with a wife that constantly has to handle many parents, that's a tough woman. And so I'm sure she pretty much like like treats you the same way. But um, I've, I've watched a lot of those those people running those Arena Cross series, dealing with all the many parents, and that can be a little bit of a handful. Oh, yeah, and I was a referee for a couple of years, and I had my feel of it. Yeah. <laughs> so your wife, Pam, when you met her, was that any in any way through racing, or did she learn about the sport from meeting you? Well, I actually met her on a blind date. Okay. And the next day we went to a little motocross in Arkansas. Broke her in, and right. Then, uh, she thought that was okay, I guess. And then <laughs> yeah. a few weeks later... I took her to uh, St. Petersburg in Florida to 250 National, and uh, I think I finished 21st. And she was pretty impressed with that, so she she said, "Hey, can we just go to these big races now?" <laughs> oh wow, that's cool. That's yeah. You you had yourself a keeper right there. Oh yeah, I've uh, had plenty of opportunities to uh, pass her off and get me a couple of 20 year olds, but she won't <laughs> let me. Have she, she's not allowing it, huh? Oh, no, that's great. No, I think I'll have to keep her. Yeah, so. 
What are some of your fondest memories of working with Arena Cross? I mean, that was really some of the heyday of that sport. Um, you know, and there's a gosh, there were some Texas legends that came through that, whether it be Josh DeMuth and Dennis Hawthorne. Uh, I mean, but just like what what really stands out in your time working with the Arena Cross series? Well, I think uh, just kind of getting to see the uh, transition from the amateur ranks up to the pros. Uh, a lot of guys that uh, started out in arena cross in the mini bike classes ended up uh, riding in a pro class. I uh, I was at a an arena cross in Alabama one time, and uh, they kept saying this guy's name, and I kept thinking, where do I know that kid from? And he was in a pro class, mm-hmm. and turned out he uh, used to win the peewee class on friday and saturday nights on a cobra oh okay and thought oh my how long have i been doing this yeah, exactly time goes by fast doesn't it oh yeah so over the years obviously the sports changed a lot uh supercross itself has gotten you know incredible tv package now you know it's changed so much that part of the sports changed two strokes to four strokes uh training camps everywhere right kids being homeschooled a lot of things have evolved um, what do you think are the best things that have changed in the sport, if anything, and maybe some things that maybe not so good? Like, I, to, personally, I think the racing was better with two strokes, but what are your thoughts on the, the evolution of the sport? Well, I think we kind of got the four strokes rammed down our throat. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of those things where I I ignored two strokes. I mean, I ignored the four strokes for a long time, and then finally I got one, and uh, I started riding it. I sold my old KX500, and Two weeks later, I started crying. I wish I had it back. <laughs> right. But I've been able to make the transition okay. I ride a KX450, and I still have a KX500. But it's one of those things where if you didn't really get on a 125, you just went from an 85 to a 250F, you you really didn't get the thrill of riding a 125. I think a lot of riders today didn't get the thrill of riding a 125. Yeah, I'm just... So, I, I've gone through a couple of bikes, and the bike I had before the one I do now was a YZ125 that I had for quite a few years, and I loved the 125. I um, sold it and got a 250F, and I'm, it's probably taken me a couple of months just to start getting used to it, and I do miss the fun of that 125. Even, to, even this weekend, we were riding at a sand track, and I was talking to Jamie or Darkside, telling him exactly like i was just telling him the exact same thing you said i I wish i had the 125 it was just so much fun riding that thing well my son rode 125 nationals back in the 90s and uh he i thought he was a pretty good 125 rider and he he quit racing for a long time to go to college and then when he came back he got a, a 350 ktm and he really enjoyed riding it in fact he got a couple of good rides at loretta's in the over 40 class but he since sold that, and we built up a 03 KX125, and he said, man, I, I can't believe how much I miss riding the 125. They're, they're just and fun. Right yeah. So so you said you're on a 450 now. How often do you throw a leg over the 125, or do you just stick on that that old man bike? Oh, I stay on the 450. Uh, 125's fun to ride, but I'm too big for it. I weigh 220, and yeah. that's a little bit for 125. Yeah. It's it 160. 160, 170 pound rider needs to be on a 125. Well, I'll I'll have to be honest. Mine had the 140 kit in it, so <laughs> I was, it was it was making up for the gut that I'm carrying around, but it was still fun. Oh yeah, yeah. well it's it's a small bore, 125, 150, 140, whatever. Still hey, get the same through. 
So, Mike, talk a little bit about how'd you get involved recently with the kicker series? Because uh, as I told when I talked to you the other night, uh, Stank Dog, Garrett Stanky, Stanky uh, talked about you on the Pulp Mech Show, brought your name up and said you were involved with it. Um, how'd you get back involved with that? Was that just with having a team or are you helping out? What's going on? Well, when uh, Fell dropped the rain across, uh, it was one of those things. It's, it's like having a dog for a long time. And when the dog dies, you just don't know what to do. You don't know if you should get a new dog or, or just you just kind of mope around for a while. Yeah. So I took a I took a rider to the Dallas Supercross last year, and I thought, okay, maybe I can get some guys together for Supercross. And it just I hadn't been in several years, and it just didn't it didn't gel with me. It was just it wasn't as uh, family oriented as Arena Cross had been. Yeah. It was just everybody's about the bling and just kind of trying to outdo each other. So it, it just wasn't any fun. I thought, well, man, maybe I should get back to Arena Cross. I'd see what I can do with Kicker. And I've known Todd Hammock for a long time. We used to live in Oklahoma, and he was a Kawasaki rep up there. And I called him up, and he said, man, I, I need some riders. We're, we've got this AMA thing going on with the TV. Yeah, bring them on. So I got some guys together to go race a Kicker Arena Cross, and next thing I knew, Todd was asking me if I wanted to be the referee. And I was like, oh, man. <laughs> Here we go again. <laughs> so I ended up going and working as a referee, and there were no conflicts or anything with my riders. And, and it was an okay year. Uh, a couple of my guys got hurt. We, I had all three in the top ten for several weeks, and then we ended up with two guys in the top ten. So that was pretty good yeah. considering one of them had ever ridden a rain across before. Yeah, that's, oh, wow. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, so you guys also have a track, correct? Um, Lost Creek MX in Arkansas? Yes, yes. So we have an outdoor track, um, an arena cross track, a little peewee track, and about 10 miles of trails. And you guys have been running that, if, the, if I remember from the website, you've been running that since 1983? Correct. We, had our, we did our first Loretta Lynn qualifier here in 1983. That's impressive. That you, It's hard for a track to stick around that, that long, especially with you know, the economy's gone up and down. And, you know, I mean, look, it's, you know, attendance isn't what it used to be. I don't think, uh, I mean, that's gotta been a, str- have been a struggle over the last number of years, but I, I assume your passion keeps you doing it. It does. Uh, my wife tells me whenever I'm getting grumpy mood, I either need to go ride my bike or get on my bulldozer. There you so, go. Yeah. That's I, therapy there. I did that today. Now, we don't, uh, we don't run any more races here. We've kind of retired from that. We had, uh, uh, a number of years that we promoted Loretta Lynn qualifiers. We probably did about 30 areas and regionals over the years. And then we did a bunch of, uh, local fairgrounds races for a while. Mm-hmm. And then we had, uh, motocross camps here at our house for about 12 years, long before there were any, uh, other facilities where they had training facilities. Right. And uh, it just, when, once you get a little bit older, you, you kind of, you like sleeping in, you don't like to get up so early. Every day. Yes, sir. I and, understand uh, that. As long as it was fun, we we enjoyed doing it, but the fun factor kind of went away. But we still are open every day for daily riding. And I teach a couple of motocross schools a year and some individual training. But uh, uh, for the most part, I, I would rather go ride or ride, drive my bulldozer or yeah. get in the van or the motorhome and go somewhere sightseeing and maybe race myself. So Yeah, I was going to ask about that with your with what's going on here. How are y'all handling that as far as letting people ride during this time of, I guess, with the pandemic stuff going on? Well, we're open uh, every day. Not a 
a big crowd for us will be about 20 riders on a weekend. Okay. So we're we're not really affected by that too much. In fact, there were two guys out riding today. So yeah, to I don't have to uh, deal with them. I have a uh, mailbox with a release form in it, and people put their money in the can, sign the release, and go ride. And that yeah. is old school. I love that. Yeah. When, I, when I first moved here to East Texas, we would go to Swan, and it was a five dollar honesty box. Uh, right. I, that's I, what. I, yeah, I love that you're still doing that. You know, I'm going to have to get with Michael Gage and maybe even let TJ come and make a trip up there sometime. And, you know, once things get back to normal, we'll maybe bring bring the fiancé up to Hot Springs for the weekend and maybe come check your place out. Sure. Because, yeah, you're you're well, 20 miles, what, west of – yeah, 20 miles west of Hot Springs. I'm interested in correct. those 10 miles of trails. That sounds yeah, fun. Yeah, me too, because I've been saying for a long time that – for the, like the last year and a half, I've been saying I kind of want to make a transition into some off-road racing or riding. Riding. Yeah, yeah. and I think trails would be a blast. So d- I definitely think TJ and I are going to have to make a trip up to see you in the next – once things get back to normal, we're going to come see you. That would be great. Just give us a call, and we'll get you set up. Sounds fantastic. Dirt Bike Mike, man, thank you so much. Uh, honestly, an honor to talk to you, and I'm sure down the road I'd love to get you back on, and maybe we can get some stories. I'm sure you have lots of stories of crazy stuff that's happened over the years. My wife says I have stories that she hasn't even heard yet. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> well, we'll get you back on, man, but thank you so much for taking some time for us tonight. Okay, I really enjoyed it, and uh, you guys stay safe, and we'll hopefully we'll see you guys at the races this summer. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right, man. All right, Take bye. care. All right, Dirt Bike Mike Lambert. Yeah, you guys can follow him on Instagram. He has his own page, and then he has, I think it's Dirt Bike Mike AX or Arena Cross page. If you go, if you search Dirt Bike Mike Lambert, he's got two pages that come up. Follow him, man. He's a cool dude, just an old-school racer. Um, really neat to have on. Man, that was fun. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to wrap this thing up on our archive. Yep. I'm gonna, we're going to go to commercial break, quote-unquote. But on YouTube, we're going to do our questions, right? For, so Sounds good. good. All right, we'll be back shortly with uh, Cooper Webb. If you want power, then you need Williams Moto Works. Wait, wait what, what was that? It's the Supercross guy voice. No, no, it's not. It sounds more like a Hulk Hogan promo. Well, that's good and tough. I like that. Dude, we aren't making a redneck commercial for a professional company like Williams Moto Works. He designs camshafts, builds performance motors with CNC porting. So it needs to be tough and cool. A company who can reprogram ECUs, hire rev limits, and custom maps needs a professional commercial, dude. So, like, if you want complete power package from cams, portings, transmissions to ECUs, then contact Williams Moto Works at 414-467-6199 or follow them on Instagram at camdesigner or you can even email them at williamsmotoworks, that's Williams Moto and then W E R X at gmail.com. Okay, that's better. Not good, but better. Brian Fullerton from a chair base. Yes, sir. What you doing? What did man? I win? Do you have a pandemic <laughs> mask for your beard? Or is your beard oh, your gosh. pandemic mask? They, the fire department wanted me back on, but they said I had to shave the beard. So I told them, <laughs> sorry. Dude, you got the yeah. beardliest beard, I'm telling you. The beardliest beard? It's awesome. Yeah. So, hey, the best part of the show so far was Amber on. Yeah, yeah she's right. No. Right? I've been trying to get her to do yeah. I've been trying to get her to sit in the studio or whatever forever, and she just won't do it. Yeah. She's awesome. Cooksy, Cooksy wouldn't tell you guys anything, you know? Yeah. He's just like, oh, everything's perfect. Everything's great. No, it's not. It's, it is not. You're right. It's rough, man. It is not. Well, okay, so we got about five minutes before we get Cooper Webb on. Give us your thoughts. Um, 
it's really weird. We have um, there's some stores that are having the best their best sales days ever, um, and it could be selling a bicycle or a, a motorcycle through the door, like they're like like walking out to the curb and doing the paperwork and hand them a bike, yeah, parts, you know. Um, and then you have some stores that are completely doors shut, businesses done, closed. Um, there's I've I've already heard of some people going out of business, like they they won't even reopen after this is over with. Um, you have, I can't say names cause I don't want to lose yeah. my job, but there's, you know, there's some vendors or, you know, there's some massive amounts of layoffs and yeah. furloughs. Within, yeah. And it's, you know, thank God, you know, I'm not in that position, but I mean, I'm taking, you know, onesie twosie phone orders and, you know, like industry people are helping each other out and, buying products over email and text. I mean, I bought, I bought so much stuff lately. It's crazy. Knee braces and yeah. clutches. And, so, you know, so mean, you, I, you were know. talking about the shops and stuff like that. What do you see or what can you think of that can show the difference between the shops that where people are buying stuff and ones that are not, is it certain types of shops or is it the locations? Have you seen any kind of, I think it's, it's two different things. It's people being creative and not just throwing in the towel. You know, and not, there's just nobody, you know, uh, at social media. I mean, they're doing social media blasts. They're doing, you know, cutting their hours and just having core people come in at certain times and, you know, come in late and close early, which is great because it saves money. Um, They're getting their orders in. I mean, they're still ordering from the vendors, from the distributors. Right. still seeing a little of that. But uh, it's location, big time. Um, I mean, the county I'm in... um, Blaine County, it's the worst. Besides, you guys are going to laugh and you won't believe me. You definitely look at websites, but uh, Blaine County is the absolute worst county in all of the United States. Oh, for the period. corona? Just because we only have 22,000 people, but we have nearing 500 people positive. So our our local shop in town, they were, they were closed like the very first day, and they're not going to open. They're not going to, yeah. you know, they won't do anything part-time. But then <clears throat> you have shops. In Boise and Twin Falls that are having record days. So I don't know. It's very, very strange. Yeah, I was curious about, like, here in Texas, you pretty much, as far as riding dirt bikes, you either ride moto or you travel to ride somewhere. We don't have a lot of free riding and stuff like that here like they do in California. And since you deal with, like, customers across the United States, have you noticed places like California or Nevada, places that have big, wide-open areas to ride, are they doing... Like, is there, is there more riding there? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Those guys are, those guys are going crazy. Yep. I mean, a lot of the shops, or sorry, a lot of the tracks in California um, closed down temporarily. Um, they're having, like, secret squirrel ride days. Right. You know, if you know somebody, which is fine. Uh, a lot of the you know, the freestyle guys, they're still riding, but it's mostly free ride. It's yeah. all free ride in the hills because it's been raining so much in California and in here but yeah everyone's pretty much show riding off-roading which is great i was kind of hoping that this could turn into like a renaissance of the free riding stuff of people going out because you don't see that stuff as far as social media and stuff as much as you used to so exactly yeah not as much but yeah that's that's what i see in here lately people talking about um just free riding and you know not technical riding but just getting out and doing something. yeah right <laughs> and they got a helmet on goggles and gloves so they're you know they're quarantining themselves still there yeah. you go <laughs> hey brian we got to get oh. cooper webb on here in about two minutes but i want to ask you have you never heard of her 
Never heard of her. Yeah, exactly. Have Never. you – has this stuff going on? Has it affected you, like, being able to go up in the mountains? And, and well, I don't even know if you – I'm sure you still have some snow, but can you even get out of the no, house everything. and go visit? Go check it out? All I can do is – all I can do is just walk down the street. Oh, That's wow. it. Our, our county is really bad. Like, the mountain closed. Yeah. They don't want us on the trails. They don't want us to do anything except for <clears> – I've just been – ordering beer to deliver to the house and few groceries and just <laughs> right. walk around the block a couple of times. But yeah, we're quarantined. We're locked up. Damn, we're locked man. up till at least another month or two. And well, here, and here, if you drive around town, it almost looks like business as usual. Yeah, pretty like, much. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. They're in California. Yep. All yep. right, Brian, we got to go. Boys. We got to go, but Hey, you I want to, I may hit you up, uh, like Thursday sometime after I do the talent max interview. Maybe we can do like, yeah, we do like that. a podium or something. We'll do a, we'll figure something out. Let's do something fun. I got I got a lot of time on my hands. So. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good, man. Yep. I'll holler at you, but I appreciate you. See you, boys. All right. Have a good night. Bye. Bye. Hey, Kylie. Does your husband have to deal with leaking shafts? No way, Kathy. He uses Shock Socks, the original and number one 10-second removable fork sill protector. Looks like the best way to keep grit and grime out of your fork seals. So, if you don't want the headache and expense of constantly replacing fork seals, get Shock Socks. Go to shocksocks.com and visit them on Facebook to pick your color. And don't forget, they are available for street bikes too. What's up, Moto X Pod listeners? This is Darkside, and as motocross racers, one of our top priorities is safety. That's why All Sport Dynamics wrist braces are one of my favorite products. All Sport Dynamics sees themselves as the Picasso of safety braces. Their passion for design and developing beautiful braces never stops. They've had the privilege to work with some of the largest names in the sports industry and have established a reputation for always bringing innovation to the table with every brace. For the pro chasing the championship or the six-year-old whose mom wants to avoid a broken bone, please try All Sport Dynamic wrist braces. Go to motocrosswristbrace.com. Or check out Instagram at wristbraceguy, or call 936-569-1003 and ask for Jeff Brewer or Gary White. And keep in mind, these are the wrist braces that Justin Bogle, Joey Savacci, Weston Pike, Adam Cianciarello, Matt Gerke, and Brock Tickle wear in their pro careers. Check them out, all sports dynamic braces. Powerband Racing is a suspension company dedicated to providing best service and products. They are committed to developing new products and improve your ride. They want your suspension to be the best it can be. They're based out of Minneapolis and they're a WP authorized service center and trusted by Ryan Sipes. Many bikes to big bikes, they cover them all. Powerband Racing has your suspension covered. Contact them at 320-983-3400 and follow them on Facebook or Instagram. If you need power, then you need Williams Moto Works. If you, if you want a complete power package from cams, porting, transmission to ECU, then contact Williams Moto Works at 414-467-6199 and follow them on Instagram at camdesigner. And tonight, Williams Moto Works brings us Cooper Webb. What is up, bro? Hey, how's it going, guys? It's Not go- much. Yeah, it's going good here, uh, you know, all things considered. Man, the world has gone crazy, but I want to know how you feel uh, physically right now. How are you, how are you healing up? Oh, not too bad. All good. Uh, yeah, obviously it was um, bad, bad timing on on how it all happened. But uh, you know, it, uh, it it gave me a chance to to heal up a little bit and uh, get the body feeling right. But uh, yeah, so far so good. 
have used it to kind of recover a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, feeling good and ready to, to get back after it. Well, before we get into what may happen in the next few months, dude, you were, I mean, you look, you were riding good. Obviously, you're right there in the battle. Um, Dallas, God, man, that was, I was, happened to be watching you when it happened, and it was scary. And But then you came back in Atlanta, <laughs> and to me, and I said this on our show that week, like that, to me, that was a championship ride. Um, yeah. The heart you had. And to come back and get third, uh, and just like it was unreal to me. And the, the amount of pain you were clearly in afterwards, uh, <laughs> to me that that even if you don't win the championship, that was a championship type of ride. You showed who you are, which you've done before, but that that was unreal, dude. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, no, it was uh, definitely a tough ride. I mean, Atlanta was was really really tough on me, but. Um... Yeah, like you said, I think it was it was tough position at Dallas. You know, we were in a good position, you know, points wise, only eleven down and going into that where I was sitting would have put me in that last main event tied tied for first. So you know, we're it seemed like it was a everything was going, you know, right to right to plan and you know, Dallas obviously took a, a big hit and um but but was lucky to, to walk away from that one and, and not be, you know, really hurt, just um, super banged up and, and bruised up and mm-hmm. uh, all that. But, yeah, like you said, Atlanta was, was, was a good good rebound. I mean, it was crazy uh, to think from, from a week, you know, in a, in a week's time I could go from, you know, barely, barely able to get off the couch and yeah. walking to be able to not only race but get on the po- get on the podium there so that was uh you know like like you said it was a really really mentally physically emotional you know race and uh, yes i was i was super proud of myself for that one for sure so we talk about the um races like that and you kind of have like a history of that even with back in the day of the amateurs of just being the like pushing through dealing with adversity and stuff like that, which you've had to, is that something that like your dad just beat into you? Is that a natural <laughs> thing? You know what I mean? How is that? Yeah, I, I guess so. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, ever since I can remember, I just have always, you know, tried to never give up. And I guess that's what my parents just kind of always taught me is, you know, never give up if, as long as, you know, a bone ain't sticking out of the skin and you're good to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. Uh, there was a movie when I was in high school, it was a football movie called the program. And one of the lines in there, so they're in practice at college football and uh, the guy's laying there, he's hurt. And the coach says, are you hurt or are you injured? And, and like, the kid didn't know the difference. He's like, if you're hurt, you can play. If you're injured, you can't. Yeah. 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 That kind of always stuck with me, but I'm a big sissy. Yeah. So seeing what, uh, seeing that wreck, he was injured oh, and I was, raced. I yeah. was injured before he even hit the ground. I was like, "Oh God!" Yeah. So hey, but that's the that's the you know fortunate thing about it, especially after now. Like every time I watch it, just seeing how how lucky I really did get. You know, obviously it was a bad break, but as far as injuries and, yeah. and lack of injuries, I should say was was pretty amazing. You know, especially seeing how other people had wrecked kind of on the same jump and the outcome they had and, and not only that but wrecks i've had before and have gotten injured from compared to that one so yeah you know i was uh, definitely lucky do you remember what was going through your mind as you're going over <laughs> the bars and and you know 
flipping it in the air? Like, do you, do you, to us, to me, it like happened so slow. I don't know if it was slow motion yeah. to you or really fast, but do you remember like, yeah, the- no, it, it felt, it was weird. Like you said, it felt really slow for me too. I mean, I, I knew going off when I, when I kind of tire tapped and was going off the face and I knew it kicked me into an endo, <laughs> you know, I, I, I felt it endo, but I, I thought I had it. Uh, and, uh, Obviously, I, I didn't quite have it. You know, <laughs> no. I was I was fighting it to the last final second and trying to make it happen, but you know it 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 ended up kind of biting me. And then, like you said, when it when it was going off the face, and there was that moment where I was getting ejected and doing a front flip, I uh, it felt super slow. I remember looking, you know, at, straight up in the air and seeing the, the top of the Dallas, you know, stadium and the TV and everything. And oh just, yeah. Could you see yeah, yourself? Like, <laughs> yeah, just like and and I knew I was headed towards concrete, so I was just yeah. like, "This is gonna freaking hurt," but I hope I'm all right. And uh, huh. yeah, well, well, yeah. I don't was... know if you've covered this. I've talked to a lot of other riders. They made a lot of changes this year. Very, they're subtle, but changes that changed the tracks a lot this year in Supercross, mm-hmm. where they've kind of the jumps pop you up more. They're a little more technical, trying to slow it down some. The the nets brought back the bowl turns. And I've heard mm-hmm. both sides of this saying, like, some riders or some people are saying, oh, the tracks have gotten dangerous because of stuff like that. And other people and riders saying, hey, the guys could go slower, but, you know, you're right. Where, where do you stand on that? Because I haven't heard your side of this. Yeah, I mean, I think the unfortunate part is Supercross, you know, you're going to have wrecks and you're going to have injuries. You know, that's just unfortunately the way it is but you know i think i think just that that obstacle and it was um you know i, I don't know if, if anybody's really realized but there actually hasn't really been a dragon back since like 2016 um they kind of went away from them and um it, it came back and and we had one just kind of like it at a2 and yeah yeah i think they just weren't quite built properly um you know, there was usually on a dragon back, there's only four whoops, and these two had five. And the fifth one was about the same size as, as the fourth one, and you, you need it to be bigger all the way across. And so that's why I think you saw, like at A2, they actually fixed it after one of the first practices when a lot of people crashed on it, and they, they basically took the landing out. And oh, okay. I, I think that if they would have maybe done that for, for ours or, you know, fixed it or whatever, then it might have helped. But they, they worked on it a lot. But, you know, some of the obstacles, you know, when they're built, you can go out there and, and mess with them and try to get the angle a bit better or whatever. But it's just sometimes that's the way the obstacle is or, you know, that's the way it was built and there's not much you can do. But overall, I, I thought the tracks were, were have actually been really good this year. I agree. Uh, awesome. Yeah. You know, a lot of, a lot of different – stuff like i remember the first few races you know because typically you kind of race the first few and and you got a feel of how the, the tracks are going to be or and how they're built or you know if, if you know there's no bull turns or if it's more flat turns or how the rhythms are and it seemed like every week we would show up with like a totally different style of the track so mm-hmm. I, I i like that um but you know i think i think the bull corners are nice like I, I think it makes for good race, and I think what a lot of people don't realize, and what I've noticed from from this year to last year, is actual the actual 
amount of track work that they've been doing before our main, um, before the 450 main, is a lot more than than I think they've ever done. And I think what happens is, you know, why maybe some some wrecks happen and stuff like that is typically in a 450 main, you know, we're doing 20, especially in the East Coast tracks, we're doing 25, 26 laps. And I think what happens is when they do as much track work as they're doing, you know, an obstacle will start off really, really nice and and smooth. Yeah. About halfway, it starts to, to roughen up. And then towards the end of the race, it gets pretty, I wouldn't say sketchy, but but just really either rutted or rough or whatever it is. And everyone's trying, you get tired at the end of the race, you know, you're not as strong, you're not able to kind of do things like you were at the beginning of the race. And I think as, as you progress with the track, you kind of forget that, Hey, this spot is, is really technical now or really kind of um, blown out or whatever you want to call it. Opposed to like before, where I feel like we would do the, the sight lap and you'd go, okay, that section is really tore up and I need to be smart through there, you know, and yeah. then you, you at least know what to expect the yeah. entire main event opposed to what's happening is, is they'll freshen everything up where it, you know, even, even though they can freshen it up real quick, it looks like it's awesome. But <laughs> yeah. those same lines kind of come back right. pretty quick. So I think that's where, it kind of lies, you know, whether it's the ruts in the rhythm sections or the ruts in the turns or on these obstacles and stuff like that. But like you said, it's, it's, it's professional supercross. So there's never, there's never going to not be a risk factor. No, definitely not. Right. So going forward, you know, none of us know what is actually going to happen. We know what they're saying. They hope happens right right now. WW ranch uh, in June, probably some supercross races at the end that's the goal maybe double headers um so a guy at your level i mean you're still in this championship hunt you're down a bit but you're still there a guy like yourself or eli or jason uh, or i mean kenny or or barsha how do you how do you go about let's say okay the last couple weeks how what have you been doing have you still training a little bit how do you stay on that razor's edge and how do you prepare for what's to come when you really don't know yeah, I mean that's the that's the tough part right now, but I think they finally them announcing something yeah. has helped. You know, um I think the biggest thing is we're all in the same situation. That's you know, true. There's there's not one person or one team that's getting told something. You know, we're all in the same line of communication, so we all know what to expect. So I think it's just a little bit it's obviously different, you know, it's a different approach now. I mean, for us personally we kinda took some time off the dirt bike because we feel like there's still quite a a, a, way, a ways to go um, until WW. You know, there's still, I think, 12 or 11 weeks until then. So we felt like it would be, for me, you know, be beneficial to let my body rest a little bit and, and recuperate. And um, and also, I mean, at this time, it, it sucks to say, but, you know, you don't really want to be at a hospital right now. No, right. Um, so that was kind of another reason of why we, we wanted to stay off the bike for a little bit. And we're still training, you know, we're still doing our cardio and our, our strength training. But I think the way to look at it now is, hey, we typically get September off the dirt bike, but we're not going to get that. So 
you might as well take advantage of it right now and kind of um, recuperate a little bit. Obviously, you can't travel or go really do things that you necess- you know want to do or whatever you want to say to get your mind off racing. But you know, it's a little bit of time to to let the mind rest and your body rest. And um, but I think it's just at least there's a schedule. You know, could it get yeah. postponed? Absolutely. But you know, it gives you it gives you something to set a plan to and set a gauge. I mean, absolutely. Is it going to be weird, you know, racing outdoors and then potentially racing supercross the following weekend or uh, uh, one weekend later, but you know, it's not any really different than we do that for outdoors, you know? So, right. Right. I think there'll be a ways, but it'll, it'll definitely be different. Yeah. I was going to ask you, you kind of touched on it, but this is technically y'all's off season right now. I mean, to take it off season because, and I think what's going to really kind of suck for especially our international people, if the Supercross season does roll after all of this, that's going to eat into some of those overseas races where some of the privateers yeah. and different guys can make some money. They're going to have to go yeah. hit Supercross now. Well, that was a topic yeah. on Pulp, Pulp the other night. It was like Brayton makes a lot of his money on the overseas races. But yeah. if you got to go back to Supercross yeah. in September – does Honda let him go overseas or say, no, you need, cause you know, I mean, he's not going to be back in Honda yeah. next year. Yeah. But, and then you got the guys that are in the, you know, the, the contract years or, and that's been a topic. There's, there's a lot to take in that we've never dealt with. No, before. there's a lot to think about. Yeah. Absolutely. But I think, I mean, unfortunately it's, it's the same for everyone, you know, internationally here in the States, like we're all in this pandemic or whatever you want to call it at the same time, yeah. you know? So yeah. it's, GPs aren't racing. You know, it isn't like we're the only people not racing. I mean, the entire world's at a halt right now. And Absolutely. For me, I think it's just nice, like, you know, so far the sponsors have been really cool. Like, um, you know, everyone understands that, hey, we're still riding, we're still racing, we're still getting ready. You know, a lot of us are in great situations as far as not having to worry about income and during this time, you know, where there is a lot of people getting laid off and, and things like that, you know, and the whole grand scheme of things, I think it lets you sit back and really appreciate how, how lucky we are as top racers and, and professional racers on teams to yeah. be in a position like that. But, you know, saying so, it is going to be crazy because most people do a contract from October 1st, you know, and, and if we're racing, so I think it's going to be a, a challenge and an adjustment for the whole for the whole sport and the whole teams and personnels and promoters and everyone. But Agreed. I'm just glad that that they're they're trying to do something, you know, because I'd much rather go racing over time than than not be racing. You know, yeah, I think yeah. that's yeah. a legitimate option that probably could have happened. And to me, it's cool that that Supercross and and obviously motocross are pulling together to to try to make something work. So Agreed. that's nice. And, and like you said, I, unfortunately I do think some of those overseas races are going to feel the effects of this, but you know, it's something that it's all over the world, you know? It's, yeah. It's yeah. Unfortunate. Yeah. And if that's the worst thing that happens in the, you know, yeah. Like, I mean, well, obviously there's a lot worse things happen. People are dying. So yeah, it, it, but go ahead, TJ. You got yeah. It. Well, we had a couple of listener questions, but you answered one there talking about wanting to get right back into the moto racing and, and that stuff. But another question, and it kind of brought something up. I may reword it a little bit, but you've got a couple of years now on the KTM after coming off the Yamaha, and Ron Dog was asking about, like, the big differences between the bikes. 
and it hasn't been touched on lately. And you've, like I said, you have a couple years on the KTM. And so I wanted yeah. to ask about, we know you've talked about, told us about your program and, and to other people about how the training has changed and how you don't practice anymore. You practice racing instead of just going out and riding. Yeah. But can you touch on some things that maybe besides just that, that, that you've noticed this last year after multiple years on the KTM? You mean like between the bikes itself? Yeah, just just the, anything, but yeah, bike stuff or or, or bike just and, the, bike and the, the, like how you prepare. Yeah, program. Yeah, I mean, I think um, like you said, it is crazy to think it's it's been two years now. Um, <laughs> you know, it's my second year on the KTM. So, I mean, it's man, it's 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 people don't believe me when I say everything, but for me, it, it really was everything. Um, you know, obviously the motorcycles itself were, were quite a bit different from the engine was a lot different. You know, the Yamaha being very fast and aggressive to the KTM being very smooth and rideable and a perfect power kind of throughout the whole track. Um, the weight is a big difference between them, you know, KTM being lighter. Um, yeah. For me, I... I was with a different trainer you know so getting kind of um with eldon who is not only trained 450 guys but i mean shoot has won every what is it every, the last 17 or whatever it is yeah. championships i don't know whatever stat it is but has been there and done it with different riders on different levels and so that was a huge thing and you know i just think the personnel when when i went to yamaha um it had been a few years since they had had their factory team and um you know, it, it just felt like we were there to uh, to race, and you know, whatever happened happened. And when things went bad, it just no one really knew which way to turn or what to right. do or what to. Um, it's interesting to to fix about it, I should say. So, uh, I think when I went to KTM, it's like they're they they were so used to winning that it was almost like robotic on what we did. Hey, this is you know, our, our day-to-day race day schedule, this is what we do. This is the time we, if we want to try something, if uh, you're not comfortable, hey, we're actually watching it. You know, there's half the time before I even get off the bike, they're telling me what they think can be better. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And, you know, that that's crazy. I've never been in a, even on Star or whatever, where I had someone tell me like, hey, you know, you have people that have opinions, but for, for everyone to just be working on the same program and all working together and saying, hey, you know, we think you'll like, it's not like, hey, we think you'll like this. This is what we're going to do because we, we know how you like things and we can see it and this and that and, and they implement it. And so that was a, a huge thing for me, you know, just that took a lot of thinking away, you know, and yeah, a lot yeah. of that, yeah. that doubt of things and stuff. So I think that was some of the biggest difference. And, you know, just being around, um, the people on the team was was super helpful for me you know just being around roger and and ian and and eldon and my mechanic carlos just the you know the experience they've had and like i said everyone in, in our sport has had experience to some degree but the experience at such a winning level year after year after year you know it's, it's like that in any sport where you go to a team or a program that is just successful and it, they just know how to do it. There's no 
second guessing. There's no, oh, what should we do better? What should we work on? It's just like boom, 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 boom. And uh, so that was, you know, a huge thing for me. And uh, especially in a critical time, I think I was, you know, in a, in a situation where I was very, very uh, motivated and wanting to get back on track and was just super open to listening and um, learning because I've learned that I whatever I was doing before wasn't wasn't working for me. Right. So yeah. Well, it, it really it, it happened in, in good times for sure. Yeah. It really came to light to me when you saw everybody saw and heard how much Barsha had to complain just to get his bike motor the way he wanted. I mean, he had to basically mm-hmm. throw Yamaha under the bus to get them to give him a factory. I mean, a stock motor. So <laughs> I mean, I'm not. I, I know you can't say that, but I mean, I know a yeah. lot of people have seen that. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, and it's and it's tough. I mean, you know, it's 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 an evolving sport, and um, you know what worked hell even five years ago isn't going to work today. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, so that's what is so like I noticed with KTM is just they're they're always looking towards the future. Yeah. I mean, they're never in the moment. Even you know, even right now, they're they're looking at things and. I mean, I can't say what I rode, but I rode a motorcycle. I was about to say, how's that ago. 2023 looking? <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's crazy. Yeah, and, you know, speaking of the, the way KTM is always pushing, you know, the boundaries of what's next, you got a guy like Roger who's been around forever, right? I mean, he's old school. He's been around since you had yeah. to, you know, like, I don't know, like crank, you know, hand crank the bikes to start almost. You yeah. know, he's been around forever. <laughs> But he's always, like, seems to be in that forefront of what's next and how to improve. And and Ian Harrison also, you know, and, and yeah. seeing what they do. And then when you go watch something like the the, the Red Bull Fly uh, – or the Red Bull Motor Spy Show. Yeah. And you, you they catch Ian talking to you at A1, I think it was, in the, in the seats, you know, before press conference or whatever. Like, they, they seem to really know how to motivate you as well as – improve the bikes like they just seem like they yeah. have a total package yeah yeah no and, and it and it works well for me you know and that's yeah, what clearly i guess guess i was getting at is i mean one of the coolest thing roger stories that i have was actually this year was right um well a few stories but right before san diego we were still kind of i was i was very happy with my bike but we, you know you're always evolving and uh I tried something and I was just, we, we got to a spot where I did something in between mm-hmm. and Roger's like, okay, okay, we'll come back tomorrow. And I guess that night he went and went to his welding machine and welded this part as a in-between part of what I wanted. And I had it on my motorcycle on that Tuesday, rode it on that Tuesday, you know, loved it and went out on Saturday and ended up obviously winning San Diego. So you know, that's just the stuff that yeah. is, is unheard of in that's my unreal. opinion in, in our in in most teams and in our sport, you know, it's it always seems like it's it's hey, it's okay, well yeah. it's one or the other. Right, you know? right. And so it, that was really cool and like you said, it's a good balance. Like Ian is a very laid back guy and, and Roger is too. I think me and Roger's um personality really gel. Like mm-hmm. we're both very competitive and um we look at things black and white and it's been good. You know, Rogers is, is kind of obviously got to know me a lot better and, and can push me and 
you know, one of the things that, like you said, I think at, at one of the, I think it was that San Diego race, like after we had gotten beat, you know, at Phoenix or whatever. And, uh, I just told the, I sat down and I was mad and I just told him like, Hey, we need to, to work on some stuff mm-hmm. and or otherwise we're going to get, get beat. And, you know, they, they totally were on board and we went to work and, you know, like I said, I think Oakland, I got second and then San Diego, we ended up winning. So it's just cool. You know, it's Absolutely. good to have that, that, yeah. that, that competitive drive and, um, you know, but I think I'm good. Like when it's my fault, I, I'm the first to admit, Hey, it's, it's all me, which I think Roger and Ian really appreciate. And, and, you know, sometimes they kind of like, they're not used to it. I can tell. Mm, um, yeah. so it's, so it's nice. And, okay. and like I said, I think Rog just, we know how to push each other a little <laughs> bit and try to try to get the, the best out of each other. Well, man, uh, Cooper, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Um, I, I can't wait for things to get back to normal and to see you out ripping outdoors and eventually get back to Supercross. But um, it, yeah. I wish nothing but the best for you as always. And hopefully if Thank WW you. Ranch happens, uh, I'll be down there and I'll, I'll come by and yeah. stand six feet away and – See how you're doing. <laughs> Perfect, man. Cooper, thank you, yeah. man. Good talking to you all. All right, yep. you too. See ya. See ya. All right, that's Cooper Webb. Uh, always a great interview. Yeah. Yeah, dude, that was good, man. He, like, he opened up and... Well, I was sitting here thinking about how... I mean, we've had him on a couple of times, mm-hmm. and the difference between him now on our show compared to what it was the last, like the very first time where yeah. he was real quiet, and he's like, who are these retards kind of... <laughs> <laughs> well yeah like it was funny he he i don't think he well i know he doesn't have like my name stored because the last time we got him on he he said hey is this darky and i was like uh yeah i guess so yeah and, and then this time he's like dude i got a new phone number and then i told him, yeah but anyway yeah. uh but yeah it's pretty funny um he's good though man i always like talking to him Okay, let's take uh, our last commercial break. We'll be back with uh, Ben Spees, and we're going to talk some road racing and a crossover of how motocross training helped him out, even though he had to kind of keep it quiet. Elbows. Yeah, elbows. All right, we'll be right back. Since 1998, Fly Racing has been focused on developing the best gear possible. With research and development, they have become a leader in safety and comfort. Fly Racing is worn by many of the top athletes in motocross and supercross, including Weston Pike, Blake Baggett, Zach Osborne, Andrew Short, Damon Bradshaw, and Adam and Tyler Antonap. Seven dudes, Trey. I wear fly shoes. Wear fly shoes. 2019 Fly Racing line includes the popular Light Hydrogen, the new Evolution DST line, the all-new women's light line, a redesigned F2 helmet, the FR5 boot, and Zone and Zone Pro goggles. Fly Racing also has hard parts for mountain bike products and snow gear. Go to flyracing.com or check out your local dealer for more info. If you're looking for top quality hard parts, you need to visit Torque One Racing. Torque One Racing has a passion for the racing industry and are a proud supporter of the Moto X Pod Show. Find the flow with Torque One Racing handlebars, levers, shifters, brake pedals, and grips. Torque One Racing is the title sponsor of the Moto X Pod Show, so support those who support us. Visit TorqueOneRacing.com and order your Defy Lock-On Grips today. Blood Lubricant Signature Products, Blood Power Sport Series, Blood Racing Pro Series, and Blood Racing Pro Elite Series were all created to bring out the highest level of performance and protection for all types of racing. From dirt track to off-road, 
motocross, supercross, and drag racing, bloodlubricants.com has what you need. Along with their oil lines, Blood Lubricants provides chain loop, degreaser, polyclean, and other top-notch products. Independent tests have shown Blood Lubricant oils to allow your bikes to run up to 30 degrees cooler. Give Jeff Green and Blood Lubricants a try and you won't be disappointed. Blood Lubricant sponsors of Tyler Powers, Team PRMX, Team TXS, and many other pro supercross and motocross riders. Visit bloodlubricants.com today. All right, we're back, and our next guest of the night is brought to you by X-Brand Goggles, which have grown into one of the choice goggles for many of the top privateers in the business, including Ben LeMay, Jacob Hayes, and John Short. Visit xbrand.com for details, or just email me, darksidemx3 at AOL, and I'll get you some pricing. But tonight, X-Brand Goggles brings us 2006 AMA Superbike champion Ben Spees, known as Elbows. What's up, dude? How are you doing? We're doing good, man. I, I'm super, super excited about this. Um, I have wanted to get you on this show for a long time and never had a chance to actually meet you until Johnsonville last year. And then, you know, we finally got it worked out. So I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, obviously there's not a whole lot, whole lot going on <laughs> right true. now. So look at, look at, looking for things to do. Yeah. yeah no, all worked out. Hey, and just so you know, my producer, DJ TJ's in studio. He's a big fan too. What's up, man? Hey, how you doing? <laughs> yeah, I've got to actually meet you many, many years ago at Swan. You were out there riding at kind of the closed track deal. We weren't allowed. I took yeah. some really sick photos of you, and you were out there with Stephen Barber, and yeah. Um, yeah. and you were like, "Just don't post those anywhere. I can't let anybody know <laughs> I'm riding dirt bikes." It was like, like I, like you didn't yeah. know me, and I didn't know you, but I felt like the coolest guy <laughs> around, you know, just because I had. You're that. not, just so but you I'm know. not. I'm not. But it, it made me feel good for at least once. Yeah, those were uh, those were the days of just you know put the gas in the bike and yeah. change the air filter about once a year and you know just putting in hours and laps and uh, yeah at, at that time I remember obviously they I don't think they wanted me on the dirt bikes too much and and they they never liked that a whole bunch but yeah I had to get my training in and, and tried to keep it away from everybody a little bit right was that ever something that was put in one of your contracts that you weren't supposed to do stuff like that yeah. Um, you know, Suzuki never really liked it. I, I did get hurt when I was 16 during a championship. I uh, broke my broke my wrist, and I had to cut the cast off, actually, 10 days after and, and raced in California, and they obviously never liked it uh, since then and really just never liked any of the, the road racers doing it. They kind of got a little bit relaxed uh, later on, and then uh, when I signed – in 2009, when I went to Europe and, and I rode for Yamaha, they had it in my contract that okay. it was basically you get fined a lot of money if you get on the dirt bike and get hurt. Yeah, I could <laughs> so. see. I mean, yeah, they got a lot of money invested in you. But, man, I remember, like, yeah. McGrath back in the day being like, look, yeah, I think he, he even changed teams because Honda was yep. trying to get him to stop doing some of that stuff. And he was just like, I'm not having that. But, yeah, it's they, yeah, no, that's that's how, it, that's how it was. I mean, at Suzuki, you know, they when I was kind of younger – they tried to enforce that, or they did, you know, after I got hurt. And then when I started getting to a little bit higher level, you know, and, and the end of 05, I kind of just told them that this is just the way it was. And yeah. I knew how fit I was able to be by mixing the training together. And then I just tried not to get hurt with it. And that's why I always had my own private track. And it was never it was never gnarly. It was just something that had a lot of stuff to, to throw at you and just to get a good workout. And, uh, and yeah. actually, you know, in, end of 06, 2007, 2008, being able to mix that stuff and not getting hurt 
I mean, I remember I was, you know, a machine those years. Right. And it was it was so good. But, you know, in the trade-off, it's always, you know, it can, it can get you hurt, too. So yeah. I'm, uh, I'm I understand ha- it. <laughs> I'm going to have to look and see if I can't go through some of my old photo archives and find those photos because it's be cool. got to be one of my favorite photos ever because you're coming over a big hill at Swan with, like, these blue, beautiful blue skies with cloud, like like these fluffy clouds in the black. It's sick. So yeah, yeah I'll see if I can't awesome. find it. If I find it, I'll get it sent over to you. Well, Ben, typically right, right. we we're a motocross show, but I mean, obviously, I want to touch on what your road racing stuff. Um, so you were born in Memphis, and you started road racing at a pretty early age. But I'm curious, you know, I've lived. I was a military brat, so I've lived all over the United States, and like. <laughs> There's not that many places to go road racing like that I know of. There's tracks, motocross yeah. tracks everywhere. How how does one get into road racing, and how difficult is that compared to like just going to your local motocross track with a bike in the back? So it's you know I'm not gonna lie it's it's in road racing it's a little bit I think easier to get to that level of just getting to like a factory ride and stuff like that, because there's not near as many places to do it. There's mm-hmm. not near as many people that can do it. It does cost a lot more money when, when you throw the bikes down the road. And, um, and that's why I've always looked at that. So yeah, we did a whole lot of driving. Um, and we just, you know, we were all over America, but it started for me when I was, when I was five, my mom's ex-boyfriend, he, uh, he was all into bikes and, kind of always rode with him on, on the dirt bikes and he bought me a PW 50 and saw that I could ride decent, you know, at that point and just kind of did all the normal things. And then he started road racing, uh-huh. uh, when I was eight years old and he bought two YSR fifties. And when he came home with them, it's like, Hey man, I'm eight years old and these fit me perfect. You're way <laughs> too big for these. Yeah. So, you know, he, he started taking me to the, the middle school parking lots on the weekends or after hours and, I put rollerblader, rollerblade knee sliders on and on <laughs> motocross gear. No, no shit. Yeah. But, but roll, rollerblade knee pads on full moto gear. And I just would ride with cones in the parking lot and, and kind of got used to it, got comfortable. He started racing and started talking with the organization and said, that, hey, I'm eight, but I'm definitely capable of doing it. And I did my first race, you know, when I was eight years old, basically the last race of the, the season. And, uh, yeah, so started road racing when I was eight. And, uh, he sponsored me pretty much all the way until I signed with Suzuki, you know, right when I turned 15 and uh, made it possible for me. So, I mean, that was, that was kind of my road. And, and luckily I had him, you know, in my life to be able to get to that step and then, uh, you know, made it happen after that. Yeah. They, it, there is a huge barrier to entry in my opinion for the road racing, because even my son, when he was little, he was on PWs and 65s. There, they wouldn't let him race. They were saying he's too young, too young. And I'm like, my kid's hucking it over triples on a dirt bike track. You know what I mean? And can he come out there and ride? Can he come out there and let me show you what he can do? And they wouldn't let him at the like this the place here, the series here in Texas because he was his age. What had nothing to do with his skill level. So yeah, you're mm-hmm. right. There is a huge barrier to entry to getting into the road racing. Yeah, no, it's, and it's, you know, with every sport like that, with young kids, there's, you know, it's always going to be, well, this kid, he can do that, but what about the older guy that's not as good that gets him hurt, you know? <laughs> right. So there's just, there's always a lot of that, you know, going on. But, but anyway, yeah, I raced in CMRA. It was a great amateur organization, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's when ro- road racing was just a lot bigger, you know, back then than it is now, obviously. But in the same time, you know, over in Europe, what a lot of people don't understand 
And when it comes to worldwide, that road racing is actually much bigger than motocross. Oh yeah, but um, in, in, Amer- in America, it's nothing. So people just don't know what it is. It's it's <laughs> so. kind of weird too, because I'll be honest, dude. I don't really follow MotoGP. I, I I need to because all I hear is how amazing it is. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know what it is because, like, I remember, you know, especially like in the '90s, I guess it was, or maybe early 2000s. I can't remember, but like, you know, Daytona 200, Scott Russell, dude. Like, I'm gonna watch this dude come from the back, mm-hmm. and he's gonna win every year. Doesn't matter. And I was super excited to watch that, but then I just never really followed up with it for some reason. Um, but yeah, I gotta get into MotoGP because I hear it's amazing. Yeah, it is, and it's it's uh, you know there's pros and cons with it, right? When I was when I was coming up, and when I kind of I won the you know oh six seven and eight superbike titles, and riding those bikes, they were kind of the last bit of the raw era before a lot of the electronics came in, and mm-hmm. and just all all of that stuff. And like now with the bike, you know, in MotoGP, if it knows it's going to run out of gas with ten laps to go, it'll go into an auto lean mode. It, you know, if you, if you go into a corner and say, Hey, I didn't do anything different. I just lost the front and crash. They'll say, well, you were, you know, two kilometers faster and you were three millimeter lower in the front stroke. And that's exactly <laughs> why you crashed. So you cannot lie. Yeah. That's the one, one problem. You cannot lie on, on road race bikes now with the amount of data acquisition. And, and obviously now motocross is, is getting a lot more into it, especially Kawasaki the last couple of years, yeah. um, which, which because they have pretty much the complete road race team from 2007 and eight. So they're, they're implementing a lot of some of the road race techniques. And I think it's starting to show right now. Well, even the new bikes, I was up at the shop and I haven't had a sport bike, like a street bike in probably 10 years. And I was kind of up there looking, killing some time and looking at the new bikes and they have like wheelie control. Like you can set how much wheelie you want. It won't let you go past this and loop it out. I'm Ooh, like, that's what I uh, need. <laughs> yeah. And like I said, in 2006, that, that was kind of the last year of no, no traction control. And then it's just gotten better and better and better. And then, you know, the GP bikes that I was riding in 2011 and 12, you know, the electronic system that's on that motorcycle is, is a hundred thousand dollars a load. So wow. it's just, in, it's insane how much development has gotten to the street. And I rode an R1 actually last year out at Willow Springs. Mm-hmm. Uh, another, another motocross guy took Vince Monteleone out there. Oh, and yeah. uh, we, we had some fun with that. But I rode a, a bone stock R1. And again, like even for me, I can come out of the corner, put it on the traction control, feel it working. And to know that that's on a production bike that comes off the showroom floor just blows my mind. Right. Thinking, you know, how, how it was back, you know, just 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did you say we had a listener question? Yeah, we have a listener question from Brian Fullerton asking if you have any good stories with uh, Nikki Hayden. Yeah, you know, I mean, oh, man, Nikki. That's, he, you know, he, he passed away yeah. a couple of years ago, and it was uh, super unfortunate. He was a guy that I was always chasing. You know, I never, that's the thing, me and Nicky, we really didn't get to race a whole lot because he was three years older than me and he was always getting to the next class right when I would get into <laughs> to his. So he and was, he it, was it, running from you is what you're saying. And, and no, he wasn't running from me. I was, you know, and I was always racing Roger, which Roger was right. the youngest one. Right. So, so we had a big rivalry and Tommy actually ended up being my teammate later on. But oh, yeah. so Nicky, always good stories, you know, about Nicky. We just never... Never got to race a lot. And then when I went to Europe, obviously, we finally got to race uh, two seasons against each other. And, and uh, you know, dude was a, he was a classy dude. And, you know, he, he had 
I, you know, I enjoyed the racing with him and stuff like that. When it came to off the track and dealing with the media, doing all that stuff, I mean, it couldn't have gotten better than what Nicky could do. You know, he was, he was that guy that everybody loved and he loved, you know, putting all that into it. And, uh, a little bit of jealousy towards him on that because I was <laughs> not that guy, but you know, he was, he was a great dude and, and, you know, obviously miss him and, and uh, he gave me my AMA Horizon Award when I was uh, when I was sixteen. I didn't oh, realize cool. that. That's cool. Yeah. So that you mentioned yeah. you mentioned him in media. So I got you know I we do media a little bit for Supercross and Nationals. We go to these yep. races and we kind of know how the riders are. They're secretive. Uh, motocross guys are real secretive <laughs> about injuries, possible possible injuries. They're secretive yep. about what may be going on with a the bike. They they don't want to tell us a lot. They're cookie cutter. Blah blah blah. And I've mentioned this a lot in the last few weeks when talking to riders. I've been watching, or I watched the F1 documentary on Netflix, and those guys are the exact opposite. How does road racing guys and teams, how do, how do they deal with the media? Are they pretty honest? or do they keep I think a, Rossi's pretty honest. Yeah, well, yeah. I've seen some, but, well, you know, in your day, were you, were you able to say, look, man, this week the bike just didn't have it, or, or were you able to say, yeah, my knee's bothering me, or, or you know, like how did that work with you guys? I mean, I was always known at not really pulling any punches, and I kind of, okay. <laughs> you know, it, it, it got me in a, a trouble a couple different times. But I'm, yeah. I've just always been honest, and I don't, I don't beat around the bush with certain things. But when it comes to rivalry, you got, I mean, you got to know what you're doing. You got to play the game, and everybody does. And you know, Formula One, honestly, is probably the worst out of all of them. But the way that they, you know, that documentary, it seems a little bit friendlier, but. They're, you know, they're cutthroat. When you get millions of dollars on oh, the line yeah. of sponsors and salaries and race win bonuses, it gets real, you know. And, I mean, I was always the type that, you know, my whole thing was – and, again, I respected all the riders, so I just – I always talked all the riders up because I knew <laughs> no, no matter if I was on my year or I had a couple of years that, you know, I felt like we were at the top, there's always going to be a day that when it doesn't work out for you and they hand it to you, yeah. you're going to look, you know, this big because you were talking smack. So I always gave everybody a lot of respect. Um, you know, I did all my kind of talking on the track with that stuff. But when it came to, you know, keeping stuff quiet with the media or just playing games, I mean, I definitely, we all do it. And, um, you know, again, my Achilles heel with just racing in general was, I'm an introvert that doesn't like <laughs> big groups of people and I don't like media. So I was oh, okay. never, you know, it always looked like I was probably a cold person and stuff like that, but it's just because that was my personality and I didn't, that's how I had to be as a racer. Yeah. And certain people can, you know, can always put on that charade and, and do all those things. But with me, it was strictly business at the track and I just had to do what I had to do, you know, um, to get it done. So, um, so I would say, you know, with road racing and motocross, it's all, it's it's all at the, at the very top level when it comes to your top five guys they don't they don't like each other i right. mean they're you know when it comes to that i mean i know ac and kenny they're friends and all that stuff but when it comes to racing on the track i guarantee you when they get to that point they'll race each other closer than if they didn't know each other <laughs> you know so it's uh you know it's always like that for sure but you try to be respectful and, sure. and, and everybody mostly is for sure so um but it's it's real at that level for sure oh 100 percent all right, let's talk about just. I want to get your thoughts. Uh, 2006 AMI, AMA Superbike Champion. That's your first big championship. Uh, and then, you, of course, yeah. you go back and win it in 07 by like one point, I believe, in 08. But what does that 06 one mean to you? The very first one. 
Uh, and, and yeah, I guess you know, tell us a little bit about the 07, 08 ones. Where those, where those kind of fall on your uh, memory list of how they feel? Yeah, so the the o, you know, 05 was my first ever season in Superbike. Um, finished second that season, and then 06. You know, really, I came out the gates that year, and I was I was fit. I was riding good. Matt really didn't have many answers for me, you know, in the first three quarters of the season. Matt Malotta. And I, yeah, yeah. And I got, you know, I got a pretty good points lead. And it was pretty, you know, it's crazy to us because Matt had won seven in a row. He was the man, yeah. you know. I mean, no no one had ever beat him on the same motorcycle. It would never have happened. And only Nicky beat him when Nicky had kind of a, a little bit of an advantage with the, the RC51 that year. And Matt was on a 750. But, Going back, so beat him in uh, in 06, and then the end of 06, he really started putting on the pressure, and he got he started training, and I could see that 07 was going to be really tough. And uh, 07 was the toughest championship <laughs> that I've ever had in my life, and uh, it came down to the last race. Whoever won the race, you know, won the championship, and uh, we, we obviously won the race and was able to get it and, um, you know, then backed it up in 08. And then in 2009, went to World Superbike and won the world championship. So, it, you know, we kind of had four championships in a row. Yeah, but out of, all, out, of, out, of all, out of all those, like I said, that 07 season, what I put into that season, how I know I rode, um, how it came down at the end. That When it comes to a year, that was, that was the hardest championship that I ever had. You know, 2009, it was great to win the world championship. There's a lot of things we had to learn. We switched Yamaha, we switched tire brand, we, we had to learn all the tracks, and it was pretty big headache on that standpoint, but it just attests to the level that me and Matt were pushing each other for those four years when I went over there, Yeah, you know, it, that the competition just really wasn't, you know, at the same level that I had been racing. So on that front, it was easier, but on the other front, you know, everything was so many changes to me all at once. It was hard, you know, so uh, well, it, we were down 88, 88 points too that year and, and still came back. So, oh, wow. That, um, that's was, crazy right there. I didn't know that, but, like, you, you just mentioned, you know, okay, not knowing the tracks. Uh, you go to mm -hmm. a whole other country. So, like, I, I've got an interview coming up with Talon Volan on Thursday and Max, and I'm going to talk about, like, he talked about, you know, in, in the past about going over to Europe and having to adjust yep. to the lifestyle, and it took a couple years for him. So you you changed countries. You have to learn. So, all yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, it, it, everything changed. We, yeah. Again, 05, 06, 07, 08, it was like clockwork. Right. My team, I was able to position my, my own team, pick the guys I wanted, and I had my dream team, right? So the economy collapsed, nowhere to really race in 09 in America, so that's why I basically went to Europe. I never wanted to go to Europe. So no. um, I wanted to drive my motor home around and never get on a plane <laughs> in my life. Right, right. Because <laughs> I'm scared of flying, so that's oh, what I geez. always did. But. Anyway, so I had to go to go to Europe in 09, and uh, yeah, so we switched from Suzuki to Yamaha, Dunlop to Pirelli, Showa to Olin, yeah. um, every, everything, Italian-speaking team, but I did bring my crew chief, um, which was my secret weapon, and we, we knew that whatever bike I get on, the, the information I give him, he knows what to do with it. Ah, uh, nice. Um, so, it, you know, just the feeling, he knows what I feel, and he can fix it, so... Took him with me, and he was with me for you know ten or eleven seasons. So, I had a lot of changes that year, and again had to learn a lot. Yeah. I think we raced. I think we raced at 
14 different race tracks, and I believe nine of them I had to learn on Friday. Well, and that's what I was um, getting at a second ago, is you didn't know these tracks. All these things changed, and you set a record that year for pole position. So you don't know <laughs> these tracks, and you're still going faster than everybody else in qualifying. Yeah, um, you know, I was always, that that was a pretty good strength of mine, was I always called them Jap laps. I would just kind of shut my eyes in a couple spots and, and go <laughs> oh for it, but uh I, I loved qualifying. I loved putting it all at one lap and just yeah. going, you know, raw speed. And, and that's something I always I was just good at, and I liked doing it. But then when I went to Europe, obviously, we had to learn the track. So, you know, I played as much video games as I could, and a lot of people <laughs> realize, you know, that, hey, it's it's real, though. You know, it, they yeah. really do. You can get your timing, and you can at least just get some brake marker feels and stuff like that. And then that's as soon awesome. as I would go out Friday and, and first practice session, I would find all the braking zones, you know, which was usually four to five big ones from top speed down the second year. Yeah. And I would just say, okay, I'm going to run it in as deep as I can until I run off the track. And I know that's where my brake marker is. Wow. <laughs> so that's kind of how I would approach the first three laps. So then I would know my points and then I would just kind of connect all the dots with, you know, roll speeds and just all that stuff. But, uh, yeah, it was, it wasn't easy, you know, it was, it was tough. And then what I didn't know, you know, with three rounds left in the season, we actually moved into the championship point lead. And uh, we had always been the, the guy to beat that year, but I had been taken out two times uh, and I had a mechanical. So we had a few DNS, mm. um, you know, actually four DNS that were mechanical. So, you know, I had to come back from that. And then, um, you know, when we went into the championship lead that night at dinner, the whole team starts drinking like we won the championship. And I'm, I look over at Tom, this is a true story. I'm, I look over at Tom and I said, hey, we've got, you know, two more rounds in, to win this championship. And uh, we've, we've won three championships in a row. So me and Tom kind of, we feel like we know what yeah. we're yeah. feeling and we've, we've got it together. And, I, and he said, Ben, they've never led the championship before. And I oh, said, hold wow. up. I said, yeah. I said, Yamaha's never even won a world championship in the world superbike. And that's when I found out right then, <laughs> basically one month till the end of the season, that Yamaha had never even won a World Superbike title no pressure. ever. I never knew that. Jeez. No yeah. pressure. And, and, and I had already signed to leave in the next year to go race in MotoGP. So if I lost the championship, I wasn't coming back to try to win it again. <laughs> right. So, so it was just you know a lot of, a lot of pressure, but we were able, yeah, to, that's awesome. able to get it done. So the flying and the traveling from track to track and all that's a huge change. How much was the bike different, and was it better? Was there things you brought that that you liked in the Suzuki that you brought to the Yamaha? How was that? Yeah, so I, I did like the 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 tire, you know, the, the Pirellis. I, I liked the way that they felt for yeah. the way that I like to ride. And then um, with the Yamaha, it was all around the the package. I would say that the Suzuki 08 as a complete package was a bit better. Yeah, but then the the Yamaha. I, I loved the front end on it. That was the one thing that I knew I could basically put the bike wherever I wanted to. And then I could just ride around some of the other problems if it was spinning or if it, you know, just whatever it was doing. So, um, I did, I love the Yamaha, but I would say, you know, for that year when I heard the Suzuki guys kind of complaining, me and Tom would look at each other and it was like, <laughs> I wish we could get our last year's bike yeah, out be, here. You know? Yeah. <laughs> The Jixers back then were the bike to have. I mean, even production-wise, they were they were the bike to beat in almost every form of racing back then. I believe. Man, we had again. It was uh, it, it wasn't just me. I mean, 
me, Matt, that, that rivalry that we had against each other and how hard our teams worked to beat each other, it was so much development and so many good guys at that point working for Suzuki that it made those production mics just so good. I mean, we were the data that we were able to give them and the feedback from me and him, you know, it was just everybody kind of realized at that point that that's kind of, you know, what had happened. And it was a little bit of a two-horse race for a couple of years, yeah. but um, it's just the way it is sometimes. Yeah. And it's been like that in motocross before, and it was like that for us in road racing. We just had the two best riders. I think we had the two best crew chiefs. And we had a great base package, and we just kept making it better. And it was hard to beat, you well, know. And so, yeah. speaking about that, I think in 2012, Suzuki pulled cars out of America. And it's been a steady, I mean, and I'm a Suzuki fanboy. I drive a Suzuki vehicle. I, I mean, I like their, uh, I've had, I rode Suzuki's forever. It's kind of been sad for me to see what the company is going through right now. Does do, do you ever pay attention to that, or? Oh yeah, I mean I've got you know I've got a lot of good friends that are that are still over at Suzuki, and you know I I know that when I was racing for them, there was a you know when it comes to the GSXR six hundred, the seven fifty and one thousand, the yeah. GSXR family, there was a certain amount that they sold in those years or every year, and then I know what they're selling now, and a lot of it is a lot of it's because of the economy, and I get it, but it's it's not good, you know, and it's it's uh it's not fun to see and, and yeah sport bikes in america they've just kind of taken a little bit of a hit but uh but you know it's just like i said it's you got to look at different ways to to do stuff and i've always I, even though i work now with yamaha as a as an ambassador and you know obviously love both companies and have right. had really good success with both and wish them the best but it's uh you know rough roads are, are ahead a little bit yamaha and, has kind of found the magic as far as promotion and keeping people involved with their sport bikes um, it's just the way that they're putting their street bike package together. So I got to give them kudos for that because like, like you said, back in 08, they were a little bit behind the eight ball and now they may be them and Honda, maybe the best bikes on the road. Yeah, no, they, I mean, they, you know, one of my, uh, two of my guys that worked with me, you know, they worked with, uh, worked with Yamaha the last few years. And then I actually did a little bit of, uh, mentoring stuff for Cameron Bobier. Um, you know, a few years back and kind of was aware of what they were doing and what their approach was. And no, I mean, I think that, you know, and it shows too how many titles they won, yep. you know, after that. And it definitely, you know, they kind of had Suzuki's number a little bit more the latter, the latter years. And it's good to see. I mean, cause a lot of people, you know, Suzuki dominated for a long time and, and they got, you know, they got their wins and it's, it's always good to see everybody come back and, and fight for it. And, and, uh, you know, like I said, now everybody's just kind of waiting to see when we can get back to racing and, and all that stuff uh, for this year. Yeah, definitely. Um, hey, we, di we didn't really get to get a, a lot of motocross stuff. We'll have to get you back on for sure. But I do want to <laughs> ask you, like, how – because I saw you ride Johnsonville, and you rip, dude, on a dirt bike. How did that help you, though, translate – how did that help you in, motor, or in uh, road racing at all? Like, I know they call you elbows, and I read it was because you kind of – it sounded like you had a little bit of that elbows up technique. But did that come from moto, or what, what did help you out? riding moto other than just fitness oh, man i don't yeah i don't i don't i mean just riding a motorcycle and, and the fitness part of it yes the elbows up part that came from honestly riding a bike in 2001 
that I had zero feel in the front end and I felt like oh. I was going to crash all the time. So it, it just, I, 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 I just got this weird style after that and it stuck and I felt and good with it. Yeah. And yeah. So I would say out of, out of all the stuff that I did the most that I think translated to road racing was uh flat tracking. Oh, um, yeah. I, I did a lot of flat tracking when I was a kid. Um, I had the TT course, I had an oval, um, I had a bunch of XR 100s with street tires on the back and a hobby truck tire. And yeah, I mean, I, I, we, I had access to a lot of oil top roads on a, on an oil lease. And I mean, just second and third gear feet up on the pegs, just sliding the bike and yeah. just messing around. And then, you know, with back in that day when I would motocross, honestly, I couldn't jump at all. I was scared to death. <laughs> I, I was sucked at it. And then, you know, I, I just started riding more and more. And then all of a sudden when I kind of turned 18, I just, you know, pulled my head out a little bit and got comfortable and, and I've, I've always liked motocross, but you know, um, definitely not. It's got my number a few times. I'm not the best at it, but, uh, but uh, it's, uh, you, it's you look fun. fast to me. You're way faster than I was. I know that I was, <laughs> you were out there with the, the fast guy practice that day at Johnsonville. And I was just, yeah, watching you and some of our other buddies like Adam Montoya and a couple of them just ripping out there. So yeah, you're, you're a fast dude, man. It's impressive. And, what you guys do on road bikes, like I can't imagine. Well, talk. We say, brought that up about the flat track, and we have, have a buddy, a local guy here who raced uh, back in the day with the with the Texas Tornado. His name is Shane Thorne, and um, oh yeah, I don't know if you know Shane or not, but um, yeah, I think I, I think I raced yeah. Shane a little bit yes. way, way back in the day. Yeah, <laughs> Shane was was just he. We'd go ride moto, and and he would he was terrible. But we'd go hit a flat track somewhere on Mad Dog bikes, and he would just oh, yeah. just wreck us all. <laughs> yeah. So it was awesome. Yeah. Hey, yeah, no, it's a, it's a good time. Before I let you go, I, I, I like I said, I got to get you back on because we didn't get to a lot of stuff I wanted to. But when did you uh, move to East Texas? When did you get your place? Uh, so I'm in Dallas right now. Yeah. Um, do you I not grew, have your place? Up, do you not have your place out here anymore? Yeah, no, I've got a I've got a place in Diana where yeah. that's where I had my motocross track, and I still I still have that. And then we're we're actually moving to Tyler uh, this summer, um, building a house down there, and okay. getting so, out of the big city. So I'm I'm coming back to East Texas. So what you're and, saying is you'll be able to come sit in studio and be a co-host. Uh oh, where are y'all at? We're we're right well, north of Tyler. Uh oh, that's, that's going to be my stomping grounds. I'm, yeah. I'm right down South Tyler now. So there yeah. you go. <laughs> TJ lives in Tyler. I actually live in White Oak, but I always just say Longview because most yeah. people don't know. Oh White yeah, Oak. but yeah, yeah, we're well. We're, hey, hey, what, what's funny is White Oak is where my flat track is. <laughs> that's where, funny. Where's that? I just I forgot the forgot the road it's on. It's the it's where that Exxon used to be on the corner, and those Budweiser horses were across the oh yes, across that, the that's, street. That's uh, White Oak Road and George Ritchie. Yeah, so it's just down George Ritchie, basically about two miles from there. We've got a flat track and uh-huh. the TT course. It's probably grown up now, but it's yeah. on an old oil lease. So um, that's yeah, that's where I used to well, ride. So right down the road from it. that, you could come yeah. over here, sit in studio. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so sounds good. Yeah, we'll definitely have nice. to try to work that out at some point. But man, Ben. It's been really cool to talk to you. Uh, I, I I need to go back, and I did do some of this uh, like Saturday and watch some of your old races. Um, but it's it's been really very cool getting to know you a little bit, and we really appreciate your time. Nice. Yeah, thanks for having me, and uh, yeah, look forward to the next one. All right, Ben. Thanks, man. You have a good night. Okay, you too. All right, see ya. Okay. Dude, that was cool. Yes. Well, like that he's was a good, Ben's he's a fun dude. That dude's awesome. Yeah, that was cool. 
And I, I forgot he he told me when we was at Johnsonville. I, I think he had said he was planning on moving back to the Tyler area at that time. So that yeah, that'd be cool to get him. You know, maybe we'll we'll see him at the tracks and. Well, we can get him in studio. Yeah. He just doesn't realize it yet, but we're <laughs> going to do that. We'll have to have him sit in, you know, just give our show a little bit of cred. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, Brian so, Fulton says we need to make sure we have Ben Spees Part 2. I uh, I think I got the uh, the Do Not Disturb thing figured out with my phone. Yay. But now I'm not getting text during the show, which kind of sucks because if there's somebody with the show, a guest or whatever, trying to say. You can look at it. It no, it, well, it's not showing anything until I get – until the, usually I get texts yeah. during the interviews. I don't get any until I hang up now. Now, oh. now they're all popping up. Now I got you. I got to mess with it figured out. But anyway, dude, episode 158 was a good show. Good I think show. It was fun. Um, are you in town next week? I was thinking about skipping next week. I'm just oh, – right, 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 right now I am technically laid diff- off yes, until yes. – what was it? Uh, June fifteenth. Okay. So like two months. You have two months to put up with me. Yeah. So if you want to take off next week, wait. There's not much well, going maybe we'll on. We'll do something. We'll figure it out. So to and the I've got listening. an interview with John Ross, which y'all probably have no clue who that is, and I don't really care. I'm just going to use the oh, show. Oh, for your yeah, your yeah. your deal. So I just got it. I've got a my Motoheads Garage. Well, this is actually for the Moto X Pod show. It'd oh, be okay. a podcast. Just a random Thursday, just introducing people to different stuff. I'm been I'm gonna try to get a hold of the guy from Truth and Justice, mm-hmm. like we just talked about. They you have want to do that on our feed. Yeah, and put cool. it on there as, yeah, as, cool. as like a, a random stuff. So I'm gonna try to get some of those. I've just been really busy trying to actually make money. Brian, I don't know when he texts this, but it just says finally a good show. Is he trying to say that our other shows have sucked? Yes, all of them have sucked except for when I'm here. He's saying all the ones finally I'm in studio, and it's good. Hmm. I don't know really how to take that, but whatever, dude. Yeah, that'd be cool, though, to see you get some other stuff up, and then I'm looking forward to doing the a Cherubies Motorsport Oh, that's going to be awesome. I am so excited about that. So yeah. I guess everybody needs to go follow a Cherubis on it's, Instagram. So they'll First get of all, you have to fucking say it. Sorry a Cherubis. A Cherubis. If you don't say it right, they're going to drop their sponsorship and take the money back. No, actually, think about how much exposure they're getting right now for They're me. not getting any exposure because no. you're not saying it right. No, by you correcting me. Then they're getting more exposure. They're getting more bang for their buck. A Cherubis Motorsports. A Cherubis Motorsports. Moto, ch- at a Cherubis Motorsports is the Instagram page that it will be the live Instagram. Yeah, a Cherubis interview will be on with Max and Ta- uh, Talon. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't remember the guy's name from Italy that I've been in the group email with. Yeah, and like he's like, "How long is it going to be? Like an hour?" And I was like, "That's a long time to interview one person." Yeah, we've two- been we've been live right now for two and a half hours. Yeah, but that's and that's four guests basically. Brian's texting me a bunch of stuff right now, but tell Brian you can. On. He said it just went to shit. <laughs> <laughs> Let me pull these up. I'm about to blow him out. Let's see what he says. Uh, here. You know he Finally can put those. Good show. Yeah, I know how to say it, Brian. Uh, this show just went to shit. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, yeah, go to it. Follow at Cherubis Motorsports, and we'll be doing a pretty cool. I, I hope it's going to be a good interview. I got a long thing typed out to uh, send a talent because he kind of wanted to know where I was going to go with the questions. So, yeah, just to have an idea to be prepared. Yeah. So I've got I've been typing this thing out. So it's gonna I think it'll be fun. Um, anyway, good show. Please enter the contest for the Fly Racing Youth Mesh Gear. That is so cool, the youth like mesh. I I never even realized. Yeah, he actually and he actually gave me an opportunity. Uh, he said you could do adult or youth, but we got we really did get a lot of emails for kids last yeah. for the last one, and I felt bad 
not giving the gear to everybody. So I want a chance to get, pick another one because there's, you know, I like kids, man. They're cool. Pervert. The do- <laughs> that's that's not cool. You could say you like kids, but you can't say you like 12-year-olds. Okay, back to normal shows, what he said. But, <laughs> yeah, I just I want I want to be like some of these other kids to get an opportunity to get some more free gear. The adults can go buy it themselves. Yeah. Um, I guess that's a wrap, then. We're done? We're we are here? done. All right, so Pulp Mix wrap-up show tomorrow night. If you guys hopefully subscribe to that, too, and listen to that and let Mathis know that you like it. Quad guy stuff talk. There's gonna be some quad talk, faux show, but not like for you, like just that one section for you, because because people are Dude. in here talking about they hated the quad talk for some. I don't oh, get it. I don't but. know, man. It's well, then tell those people, whoever those people are, to send me emails of why they hated it, and maybe yes. I can integrate that into the the wrap up show. Just send him, send him, mess, send uh, to. I thought it was funny. Dark man. Sides like, Instagram. I thought it was pretty funny. Like I, I definitely liked it better than some of the other segments they've gotten into in the past, but. They said this thing just went Tiger King. Uh, all right, we're wrapping it up. We're <laughs> out of here. That's episode 158. Thanks to all our sponsors. Yes. A Chair Bees, Allsport Dynamics, Works Wheels and Mods, Blood Racing, Blood Lubricants, Fly Racing, X-Brand Goggles, Torque One Racing, Power Band Racing, Shock Socks, Extreme Colors, and Williams Moto Works. We are out of here. 